Hey, everyone. Just want to let you know that if you like Danger Close, be sure to follow at This Is Ironclad on Instagram, YouTube, and all major platforms. They're the team that produces Danger Close and all of the trailers for the Terminal List novels. They also produce and distribute more great content like Change Agents with Andy Stump, which I executive produce, Oil & Whiskey with Roadster Shop, which features guests including Joe Rogan, Jesse James, and others, and the behind-the-scene filmmaking series Into the Fray, and a bunch more. Into the Fray recently broke down the making of the trailer for my latest novel, Only the Dead, starring my friend and teammate Dom Rasso as James Reese. Remember, that's at This Is Ironclad on YouTube and Instagram. This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today, Sean DeGray. Sean is the owner and founder of Total Archery Challenge, an event that takes place at 10 different locations across the United States. If you're into archery, you probably have heard of Total Archery Challenge. If not, enjoy the podcast. And now, without further ado, Sean DeGray. Uh, awesome, man. Let's kick it off. Sean, thank you so much for coming up. I am so excited. This is awesome. And thank it you is. for coming up months ago and putting in an amazing course around here that almost immediately was covered by a lot of snow. <laughs> so uh, much snow. It wasn't almost immediately. It just feels like that because everything's turned into one long day yeah. around here with everything going on. But uh, so cool. But I can't believe you got all those things in one truck. Yeah. Well, it. Uh, we're very good at stacking targets. We've had yeah. a lot of practice. Yeah. You know. But now, granted, we I think we owe you a set of antlers, if I remember right. Everything made it up except for one set of antlers. Yeah. One set of antlers is out there on yeah. the side of the road <laughs> somewhere. So if your neighbors. So if anybody finds it. one and it was yeah. for, uh, was it for a mule deer? What was it for? I a forgot. White, a little alert deer, the small uh, white tail. Okay. Nate point. Okay. So yeah. that's not, if, if you find <laughs> yeah. a, uh, what kind of foam are they made out of? What's that? What's that? What is that stuff? I don't know. I call it. 3D foam. 3D foam. <laughs> if anybody finds a 3D foam eight point out there on the side of the road, um, you know where it's where it yeah, belongs. Yeah, we know where it belongs. <laughs> Get a hold of us. It does. That one does bother me because everything else is so perfect, and I see that one, and it's just missing a big, a big, a big chunk out of its head. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be. I meant to bring it up today, but uh, I got behind because I've been gone for two weeks. <laughs> I've been trying to catch up on everything, and I got behind. So I was like, "Oh man, I got a motor." I oh, that's so there. funny because yesterday my wife and I we took the dog for a walk, and we're coming back in, and you can just see that one now. Over the last like week and a half, the snow's really started to melt around here, so that one just started peeking out. And my wife looked at it and, and said, "Do you think Sean will bring up the uh, the antlers?" Oh man! Just and I said, "Of course he will. <laughs> of course he will." Because she said that, I'm delivering. Antlers tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, no. I gotta go to Salt Lake. <laughs> Don't worry. Oh man, but they're so awesome. I mean, man, we got like 22 targets out there now. If we're counting the uh, just uh, a couple blocks out yeah. there for for sighting in, so probably probably a couple couple more. But uh, man, it's so awesome. I'll, I'll tell you, my favorite shot here is probably you go down that ravine over there mm -hmm. on the what is that? The west side, southwest yeah. side, and uh, it's the elk. Yeah. That's probably my favorite shot. It's awesome. Oh man, that is a perfect shot. That whole side there, I love all those. I love, 
I mean, you have the black bear right here, but then yeah. you drop down and immediately you have one, not immediately, but in in close succession, you have one, two, three, four, and then hike up the side. Five, like awesome shots. Yeah. That's the prettiest, that's the prettiest section of it for sure. Mm-hmm. You got, it's a good setup. And don't you have elk that are coming in anyway? Yeah, so let's I have them coming those. in. I didn't get trail cams in time to put them on the uh, 3D targets out yeah. here. Um, I could see a couple just from the from the deck, and I thought the moose was going to get it because we had moose all over right. this place. So I thought that was going to be gone for sure. But no, it's uh, maybe it's big enough that the ones around here are like, maybe I should, yeah. take, maybe I should walk <laughs> around. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. but I, I got a feeling your elk's going to get it. Yeah, I mean, we can go down. They've been under snow for a little bit, so there was a few weeks before the the snow hit where we still had elk here, and uh, so it's possible they got destroyed during yeah, that time frame. Get, but we'll see. He's going to get beat up. Well, I got to get the the cameras on there. I need a, a full on. Which ones did you recommend to me again? You told me which one to get. The stealth cam is the stealth one we've cam. been using. Yeah. yeah, so I need to get a whole setup and just blanket this place. You just get the one like stealth cam does. Well, a lot of them do it. We use that stealth cam. Um, Muddy has a new system out too that we use, but the cell phone one, you yeah, need it to, that's the one that you had you sell pictures to your phone. You'll be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I want. Cause I'm sure there were some awesome shots of, uh, of elk, mule deer, um, moose and the turkeys up here all over oh, the place. Yeah. And, and if I get those cameras out there, I've got to think that at some point it'll capture a mountain lion at some point. Oh, I don't doubt it. Well, you remember we were, I think we had just finished setting up or we were back up here to do something. I can't remember now. But the elk were bugling right below us. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. this place is a it's crazy. piece of heaven here. Thank you. Thank you. I feel <laughs> extremely, extremely fortunate. <laughs> and uh, having you come up and put those in, oh, my gosh, that was a lifesaver. Because otherwise, they'd just be in a pile in the driveway still. Yeah, you know? it's a cool setup. And in fact, we were supposed to shoot it. So I got to come up here. Yeah. Bring yeah. my bow. To this today, I think even yesterday, it would have been kind of a pain to, there's there's things that are still, we're, yesterday were still a little hard to get to, but uh, I think today we could probably, you know, walk it, we'd slip and fall a few times, but um, but in a week we'll be able to walk and shoot, probably shoot the whole thing. Then that's what I'll do. I'm yeah, gonna, come on up. When I bring the, when I bring the antlers up on nice. the alert deer, I'll bring my bow. Nice. But we'll have to make sure you're around. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, actually, I'm on book tour next week. I don't know when this podcast will drop, but um, uh, at the time of this recording, next week I'll be on book tour for like a, a week and a half and beyond. Where do you road, go? Like all over the country? Or? Yeah, they try to switch it up um, uh, and have some that are kind of mainstays, mm-hmm. uh, like Poison Pen in Phoenix. I started my first book tour there. Oh, and, okay. uh, you know, when you haven't sold any books and no one knows who you are and you're not coming from politics or sports or anything like you have no following um for a bookstore to take a a risk on you is is really cool so i start off every book tour at poison pen uh then there's a couple mainstays like uh murder by the book in houston um half price books in dallas so there's a couple in there that stay and then the other ones we try to mix it up a little bit and go to some new ones so last year's was two solid weeks on the road. And, uh, I love it because you get to, you know, shake hands and say thank you to people who took a risk on you as a new author and then told a friend and told someone at work or a family member, whatever it was, or put it on their social and told their five followers or 5,000 followers or or whatever. Um, and so I sincerely appreciate all of that. And, uh, so I love getting out there and being able to shake hands. I try to thank as many people as I can 
on social media, but it's different when you can actually shake hands, say hi Absolutely. and do all I that. So, so I love that. So we try to try to, well, I think next year we're going to try to get to a few more military bases. I've been to some military bases in the past, but they're not on this tour. Uh, last year was Reagan library. So we'll probably do that again next year if they want to do that, which would be, be fantastic. So anyway, you try to mix it up and then have a couple that are kind of mainstays that people know you're going to go there. So they kind yeah. of, some people plan around it. And so uh, if they know that, Hey, every year poison pan is on the list yes. that during this time frame, So it's kind of, their thing so you don't want to kind of take that away those mainstays you know so it's i think it's, it's awesome. uh yeah i know it's fun so are you hitting one a day or how's that work one a day um i did a two a day i think a couple times last tour and uh last tour the crowds were large yeah uh, it was awesome i mean yeah. i'm not complaining at all i was like wow it was like it was humbling well um, i just your was, new book i just ordered it yesterday thank on you Audible. You're and awesome. then I show up and you've got one here for me. Got one for you right not there. Even, not even released yet. Not even released yet. One I'm of feel, the first. I'm feeling pretty good about it. You got that. it. You got it. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. No, I love it. I mean, yeah, last, this time my publicist, David Brown, is coming with me. He's fantastic. Because last time I just, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd stay and it was past midnight, you know, I just everybody got a signed book. I'm not going home early or going to like the hotel early. Um, but when you do that, uh, the only options really for food in a lot of these places are right. the vending machines in the right. hotel. Uh, so two weeks of ho hotel vending machines and airport food, um, and a couple two a day signings was, uh, it was a lot, but it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. This is, is not awesome. a complaining for anyone in the comment section. Uh, I feel, uh, I feel so fortunate. Um, and that's why I want to stay there and sign past Absolutely. midnight, find a, one in the morning till the last person is there. Like, I'm not going to go home. People took time out of their day to come, you know, see me or say hi or whatever. Um, so I'm just going to stay there until the last book is signed and the last person leaves and I get to thank the staff at the bookstores and, um, that's and awesome. get back, grab a couple hours of sleep and then you jump on the first flight out typically. So you're back to the hotel at like one in the morning, uh, you know, grab some uh, snack from the vending machine and uh, sleep by one <laughs> thirty, And then your flight, you might have a six thirty flight or yeah. an, a six o'clock flight. And that means that you're up there at five. And so it means you're up at four thirty. So, and then you do that every day. Um, so it's, but it's awesome. It's that awesome. is awesome. I love so, that you do that. Oh no, it's, it's a blast. And it's an honor to do it. And it's humbling. And I just, yeah, I look forward to it every year. That's the one so. benefit like for us at total archery challenge is, um, you know, we get to meet the guys that yeah. are showing up and, uh, and that it's the same for us. Like we're eternally grateful for all these people that are showing up, gave us the chance and continue to show up year after year, bringing mm -hmm. new friends or whatever. And that's been a huge thing for us, uh, to be able to say thanks and, yeah. and, uh, let people know like, Hey, we really are happy that you're yeah. here. We get a lot of people like, Hey, thanks for coming, man. We're like, well, in our, our relationship, it requires both of us because if you don't show up to shoot, then there's no reason for me to be here. So right. it's a really good relationship and a good opportunity to say thanks. And, yeah. and, uh, and like you, um, we're very grateful for those people. It's awesome to be able to see, shake hands with the people that put you where you are. Oh man, it, you've grown so much over the last few years. It's been really cool for me to watch because I'm trying to think when I first became aware of Total Archery Challenge. I think the first one I went to, I want to say, so I think it was Snowbird and I, I think it was say 2015 or 2016. Yeah, because uh, you had come, I hadn't met you. You had been to a couple before we had met and it was a friend of mine that said, hey, do you know yeah. Jack Carr? And I'm like, mm, I, I don't. He's like, no, dude, he's the author. Uh, he checked you in. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so on the second year you'd been there, then 
I think that's when he introduced like, okay. hey, here's Jack and whatever. And yeah, and um, I had, my daughter was with me because I was taking her yep. to a camp in Wyoming, and uh, Barklow was going to shoot John Barklow from Sitka. Seems, I was in the yep. uh, in the SEAL teams with, and he was a Navy diver at my first command, and then he went to to uh, Kodiak, Alaska. And got to get his hunt and survival on up there and just such a wealth of knowledge. He has knowledge from storms right now, his website and a newsletter and a mission planning uh, class that he has. But awesome, awesome guy. Just got to see him up in mm-hmm. Bozeman uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, shot with him, shot the, uh, I think we did one day on the kids course. And then we did uh, the uh, an adult course with my daughter too. I think she's done two of them unless I'm conflating and I may, I may be. But uh, man, you have grown so much like what, what was the first year you did it so 2012 2012 i think it might have been 2013 to be the official one and i gotta look back at it but our first event was at snowbird we okay. only did one yeah um and it was uh we had 438 people show up 438 okay i felt really good about that number um yeah. so the way it worked is a friend of ours had a similar event called Bowcast at the Bird. Bowcast. And uh, it was the same format. Uh, we just changed the recipe a little bit. Um, they were done. It wasn't working mm. uh, the way they wanted. They'd done it for about six years, I think. It might have even been seven years. Oh, really? What wasn't working about it? Uh, they just weren't getting attendance. I think yeah. their last year they had it. It was 156 people or something really? showed up. And um, their cap, the highest it ever grew to was in the 600s, if I remember right. I don't know. Uh, but it just, it wasn't growing. Mm. Um, I was in the event industry and so I was looking at it through a different lens. I wasn't looking at it through the, a hunter guy lens, right? right? What were you doing? What was your, I worked for a company called the color run. And so we were doing five K's. Okay. Uh, the color run actually grew to be, it was probably within a couple of years turned into the largest five K series. Okay. Period. I mean, we were doing close to a million runners. Um, we had, I think across the world, there was over 200 mm-hmm. events and heavily attended. Okay. Um, I was a regional, so I was over multiple event directors. And within our region, I mean, we had, we're talking a 5K fun run, not a race, but we had events that were over 30,000. Wow. It's That's crazy. people. It's crazy. Um, and it was, I loved every minute of that job. It was an incredible education. Huh. We were drinking from a fire hose cause we went from zero to a hundred miles an hour in yeah. no time. Wow. Um, and so we got to learn fast, learn to pivot quick, but <clears throat> there's some things, some basic things I think for any event, I it doesn't matter what it is, mm. a book signing, let's mm. say, or, uh, film night, as you see some of these guys do, or a 5K or total archery challenge, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's some some basic building blocks that I I don't share with anybody how I look at this or what that is, but there's some basic things that if all of them have that, then it, it will help you to be more successful. Mm. And so from learning all of this at the color run and looking at this event when they're like, hey, we're you know, we're going to be done doing this. And uh, so I was like, well, I think if we do this, 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 I think it could work. And uh, we're done. And uh, rightly so, they were tired. Yeah. Um, so I said, okay, well, I'll do it. I mean, if you're getting rid of it, then I'll buy your assets and I'll start one up. And so that's what we did. 
And so we bought it, changed the recipe a little bit, added in the things that I think needed to be added. Mm-hmm. And uh, it did take some time. It's not like it happened overnight. Yeah. But uh, overall, it, we we did have the right recipe, and it's been growing a lot. Oh, my gosh. Huge. You talked about this earlier on, you know, just meeting the people that helped you grow. And, yeah. and in the end, there were some... Uh, it everyone helped us grow yeah social media was key mm-hmm. but it like you said the guy that shared it with his five friends or shared it with his five thousand or mm-hmm. whatever those people are what made us grow yeah is they shared it with their five or their ten or right. some big influencer shared it with his big group yeah and uh it took us about by year four year four or five is when it well what i did is i quit the color run mm-hmm and focused 100% on Total Archery Challenge. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, there was a huge increase. Um, but it was because I could put all my time yeah, into yeah. it too. But uh, at that time, we had started to say, okay, we've got this right. This thing is working. It's time to commit, quit the jobs, burn the boats, and survive. And uh, that's what we did. I sat down with my wife. She went back to work full time. Um, we sold our house, took every penny we had of equity, put it into the business and moved wow. into our parents' basement. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just used that money to kind of get us through while, because I'd quit my day job. Uh-huh. And so that was kind of when it was like do or die for us. What were the in-laws thinking at this point? Um, it's a good question. My father-in-law, he would work every event with us. So. Oh, cool. He's yeah. like, oh, he's all for it then. <laughs> yeah. So he, he saw, <laughs> he saw what was happening. Uh-huh. Um, so it was okay. pretty easy. And he, he owned his own business too. He's since sold that, but uh, he saw that it was going the right direction. Yeah. So they were good with it. Okay. I mean, I paid him rent. I didn't, I didn't want them to have to sacrifice too much for us. So we paid him yeah. rent and everything, but it put us in a position to where we could really focus on this and, Jeez. and dive in. And Man. so we were only there, uh, I think 18 months maybe. Okay. Um, and by then things had really started to cook and now they're, you've seen it now. I mean, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I'm going to ask you how, how many of you've added and how you've added, uh, over the years, but how many years did you do it at Snowbird before you added another event? Uh, once. Okay, so one time yeah, we went from one run. to four. One to four. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So we added. I, I think we went from doing Snowbird, then we added Texas, Pennsylvania, and Montana. No kidding. Yeah. What, and and what was the thought process behind? Um, were you were you thinking like, oh, if if we are already in Montana and uh, Idaho, that covers kind of the West. If someone wants to come from Washington state or Oregon. um, uh, I think our, I think our line of thinking there was um, because I had been in the, doing the events for the color run and we had done so many Mm. all over the country. uh, I did some, I did my own research to figure out like, Hey, where are some spots that I think we should be Uh, what kind of venues can we get? And then one of those secret sauce things mm-hmm. uh, needed to apply there. And so Texas worked out so good because we wanted to be in Texas. Mm-hmm. We knew it was an event we could do earlier in the year yeah. because of weather. And uh, one of my really good friends 
was buddies with these venue owners and they're huge archery fans. Um, so they came out to Utah that very first year. Okay. So they checked it out. Did Utah and said, yeah, we want, we'll, we want to do this at our event at our venue, which is natural bridge caverns there in San Antonio. Um, and so that was an easy transition for us on some of these other resorts, like a big sky or Pennsylvania, which is at seven Springs took a little more sales on uh, letting people come up and shoot bows, flinging arrows. Right. It helped that we were at Snowbird because Snowbird has, it's a big resort, right? Yeah. This is a world renowned resort. Right. It gives you legitimacy out of the gate. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So having that done, I think really gave us an edge up mm-hmm. on these other resorts. And uh, had we not had Snowbird, I don't know that we would have been able to get in. Yeah. Um, now that we've done all these events, we're no longer at Snowbird. Uh, now that we're at all these other resorts, we've built relationships with them. Some of them have owned multiple right. resorts that yeah. we're at. Vail. So, yeah, exactly. It, who just bought our Pennsylvania resort. Oh, okay. Wow. So this was their first year. They bought it. They they closed on it sometime end of last year. Yeah. And so Vail owns Seven Springs now. So, but what helps is we know them, they know us. Mm -hmm. There's some things there, you know, we know how to work through on that end. So it's nice. But Big Sky, for example, is owned by uh, Boyne USA, who owns Boyne Mountain, where we did it forever in Michigan, and also owns Brighton. Okay. So it helps because they know and it helps us kind of navigate getting into that. So. It's a, I mean, that's incredible. And then, so you did one, then you did four, and then what was the next jump? Uh, so we did four for two years, okay. if I remember right. And then we added, what did we add? Then we added Michigan and Terry Peak. So we went four to six. Um, and then we just added Colorado, what, three years ago? Okay. I believe. And who am I missing? Oh, Vermont. We've been in Vermont for four years. This will be our fourth year. Yeah. I think. Well, fourth year because we canceled COVID actually. And then had to reschedule that. So, but, uh, so we, we jumped up to 10, which is where we are now. And uh, we're working on adding a couple more. Um, But we have some things in the work for 2024 that we're working on that Mm. I'm super excited about. And I think the people are going to be stoked on. So we're going to be opening some locations that are in higher demand and, uh, and bringing some new stuff to the table that we're super excited about for 24, awesome. 23. We're cooking. We're yeah. done three. It's our 11th year anniversary this year. Hey. And so, you know, we're about to go on a three week, uh, back to back to back with Vermont, Pennsylvania, Michigan. And, uh, this year has been phenomenal. Amazing. You, well, for people that are like, what are these guys talking about? So Total Archery Challenge is an amazing event. Um, I don't know. The best way to describe it is uh, some people describe it as like golf with a bow or you're walk, but you're walking around these beautiful places. You start yeah. in, in groups and uh, oftentimes you go up to the top in a, uh, a chairlift or, you know, whatever gondola and then work your way through uh, a course. And there's a, there's multiple courses out yep. there sponsored by Sitka or Hoyt or whoever's doing it that, uh, that year. And uh, you get to 
come up and do one, stay for a few days and do yeah. all of them, uh, do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Exactly. But it's such a great community of people and great after parties and great food and uh, great gear you can try out and people you can meet and get to know and improve on your archery. Yeah. And it's just a, it's such a cool community that you built. And it was so fun to go to the, that one uh, with my daughter on the way to her, her camp that year and just uh, check it all out. And it's so, it's so much fun. It's so much it's, fun. It is a great collection of people. Mm. And not only from, like, we have some of the best uh, manufacturers in the outdoor industry yeah. that attend and are a big part of our event. Um, and they send some of the greatest people that are there to, you know, chat with everybody, network. You get to learn about mm -hmm. their products. But the people that come are phenomenal. The shooters. Yeah. Like these guys have been there, you know, we've made some lifelong friends there. Mm -hmm. uh, they have made lifelong friends. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are like, hey, we met these guys five years ago at Total Archery Challenge and we get together every year at Total Archery Challenge. Yeah. That's like our time to get together, have a good time. Uh -huh. That's one of the things when we were kind of modeling this out, that's one thing we really wanted to create is... Um, we wanted to get rid of, it's not a competition. There's no competition at all in there. We do give you a scorecard, mm -hmm. but that's, you know, almost everybody has a bet going on with their buddy. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There's always a side bet, yeah, right? It helps you keep track of that stuff. Yeah. And so this is a way for you to do that if you're into the scoring thing or whatever. Um, it, we don't do anything with the scorecard, but we provide it yeah. as a thing for you to look at. But the, uh, it's not a competition. It gets rid of all that uh, anxiety if you are a competitor to where you just relax oh, and fun. have a good time. So yep. fun. Yep. So if I remember my daughter and I drove up, we were listening to uh, the Gritty Bowman, which is now I think just the Gritty Podcast, but we were driving up and uh, listening to hunting podcasts on yep. the on the drive up here from San Diego. So I was just finishing up in the SEAL teams, right? One year left or I forget exactly the time frame, but we're listening to the, the Gritty Bowman on the way up and we pull in and, you know, there's Brian Call and now, you yeah. know, now I know Brian, but at the time I, I didn't. And uh, it was cool for my daughter to, to see, see him and just, uh, you know, get to see everybody and be a part of that community and it's just uh it's so so different and so cool and so welcoming as yeah well. very welcoming mm -hmm. we were just in tennessee uh here last weekend and i had a, a a guy who's new to archery he just picked up a bow for christmas and has been shooting prepping for total archery challenge in tennessee um he came alone he didn't have anybody to come with he hadn't really made any friends yet but he shot the entire weekend all three days and uh, he had met, he'd just go out on the course himself, mm -hmm. find a group. Hey, can I shoot with you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everybody's so friendly. So he shoots with this group and now he's just made some great friends. Yeah. That's oh, like, so amazing. They're such a good group of people and I, I can't express it enough. And I'm sure that exists in a lot of groups, but this is the one I'm familiar with. Yeah. And they're amazing. Yeah. But everybody's in, uh, there's like all these bow companies are, are involved. And I think that, uh, the first one I shot, I think I shot it with my prime. Um, and gosh, I love that bow. It was a great bow. Bob Frome put it together for me at, uh, performance archery in yeah. San Diego. So I love, love that bow shot that one. Um, and, uh, since then I've added to the collection, uh, I'm missing one. I'm missing the one from high, my one, one from high school. And I'm so bummed about that, but, um, I have one from like, gosh, 
like fifth grade still. Nice. So I had that one. Um, my, uh, yeah, my mom put that one aside for me. So, so that, that's, that's safe. It's the, the one in the middle there that I'm missing. And then I have my, my bear that's, uh, in the, is in that trailer outside. That's the one I gave myself as a, as a present for graduating buds. I went up there to performance that's archery awesome. and had Bob put that together for me too. So, uh, I got that one there. And, uh, and then this, the PSE right here. Awesome. Uh, the NTN 33 right there that old Dudley put together for me. Love that. The Matthews as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, love when you got a Hoyt. And then there. the Hoyt right here, right yep. in the origin, uh, uh, the camo right there, the origin camo and origin Raptor. Oh, I didn't even camo. notice that. Yeah. yeah. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah. We gave one away. One of my giveaways. I do a monthly giveaway on Instagram and uh, gave one of those away last month. But people ask me all the time about like, what bow should I get? You know, I'm new to archery. What should I get? And, you know, I say, go down to your local archery shop, That's support exactly that local right. archery <laughs> shop. Um, you know, you, maybe you have a budget, you know, cause all the top end bows from all these companies are awesome. They are like they're, awesome. They're all, they're all fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to support that local archery shop. There was such a wealth of knowledge and archery shops are fun. I've loved going into archery shops since I was a little kid. I look forward I, to going I to totally them all agree. the time. And uh, so I, so, so I encourage people to go local archery shop to one, support them and, uh, and talk to people that yeah, know what they're doing and like, try a few bows out. That's exactly it. Like for me, a bow is, um, they're all, they all make incredible bows, mm. but you might be looking for something different than I'm looking for mm. or how it fits in your hand or, exactly. you know, it, it, a lot of these bows depend on your draw length. It's going to feel better to you mm. than it might to me yeah. or whatever. And so that's just it. You go down, mm. shoot all the bows and the bows will choose you. That's it. That's it. I love that. The bow will choose you. I'm going to use that in a book. That's fantastic. I love it. But it's so, it's so true. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, these one, two, yeah, these two right here, um, Caleb Brewer at mm-hmm. uh, Stick Sniper Archery. I Tucson. love that guy. Amazing. He Did you see his just, latest he pictures? Was in Tennessee just. Barely. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah. nice. I didn't get it. Oh no, maybe it was Texas. They've got. They were back to back. Now I don't know. It might have been Texas. Either way, I got to talk to him for half a second. Yeah. Not long enough. I love Caleb. So great. So he's great. an amazing person. I mean, the first time I met him was at Total Archery Challenge. 2020 mm-hmm. and uh we do that black rifle coffee veteran shoot and yeah. uh and caleb lost both legs in afghanistan army special yes. forces guy um, incredible and he was just with that remember that day out there it was like kind of overcast it was raining mm-hmm. off and on and man he was just all over that mountain and it was just so inspiring to see He's, him and all those guys just crush it out there but i got to spend some time in the back of a truck as we bounced around going him. to different yeah with him so we spent the day together uh essentially and then you know he's talking to me about you know what, what he really wanted to do and I was talking to him about that and he started talking about archery shop down there in Tucson and lo and behold uh, you know the next a year yeah a year later he, yeah, he buys it and uh and he gets and it he's crushing he's it. crushing it down there so I send my bows now to Caleb and he he did both of these but then he always asked me like how many arrows you know to go with them and people usually think you know how many arrows do I need like five six seven eight nine ten I'm like a hundred <laughs> I, I want a hundred <laughs> arrows with every bow just do it because I I total archery challenge. Um, those mountains tend to eat a couple of arrows. They do, especially if you're not practicing. <laughs> so I tell everybody, we get that question a lot, actually, how uh-huh. many arrows? And, and I always preface it with how much do you shoot? Like yeah. you just showing up and knocking the dust off your bow or have you been shooting quite a bit? But we do set it up to where if you miss a few of these shots are going to eat your arrows. And some oh, of that yeah. is based on location. I mean, oh, if we're in about, Michigan, yeah. you're shooting it as a sand dune essentially. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Terry peak or 
in Texas, I mean, it's all rock. Yeah. The entire thing is rock. Oh, yeah. Those, yeah, you miss. So it's an arrow. You can say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. You can say goodbye to that arrow. Um, So, yeah, what what do you say when people ask you? Or is it on the website? Does it tell you, uh, like, recommend what to bring? No. Yeah, we have some recommendation. We don't really put a number on the arrows. I tell everyone a dozen. Bring a dozen. Um, if you haven't been shooting, I think that bring might be two. on the low side. Yeah. Bring two if you haven't been shooting. I mean, there's a lot of guys that get in just there. Just crush it. Just crush yeah. it. Uh, some of these shots you're probably not practicing for. Um, and, uh, you know, a 120-yard bomb on whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, some of these guys, and and it's getting less and less arrows. It's getting as better. Yeah. We, yeah. As we've grown mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, I need you know, I'm going to practice now for yep. this. So they're losing less. Yeah. But good point. I mean, it just depends on where you're at. I probably need like four dozen no. for me personally, but I shot, I've, I never shoot. I've never shot a course, excuse me, until Texas. So in 11 years, I've never shot one of our courses. Really? Yeah. Just we're so busy leading up to yeah. it. And then when it's over, you got to break down and go to the next one. Yeah. So I've never had that opportunity, but this year in Texas, um, I've got a phenomenal team. Yeah. How many people and, do you have now on this? So team? there's 12 of us that travel. There's just 12, events. 12 of us. Yeah. It seems like there should be a 200, 12 phenomenal yeah. people. Like they're incredible and they, they have their jobs, mm-hmm. right? They know what they're doing. Um, so we knocked it out of the park getting ready in Texas. And so the owner's like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? I said, Oh, we're just going to button up a few things, clean up, make sure everything's good. He says, oh, let's go shoot. And so we went and shot the ultra view course. I had a blast. Nice. It only goes out to like that particular range went out to 63 yards. Yeah. And uh, I may have lost three arrows. <laughs> and it's yeah. only 15 targets. Hey. So, but I uh, I did forget to adjust my pin on one. You know, because you're talking. Hey, you know uh, what? Just you are, it, you are talking to people. It's distracting. All yeah. of a sudden, it's your turn or yeah. whatever. And you're like, oh, oh. And then there's, whoops. Yeah. I yeah. forgot I was at 45 and that was a I've heard that happens shot. to people. I've yeah. heard it. I'm inexperienced, <laughs> so it does happen to me quite often. Oh, man. It uh, No, it's, I tell everyone, at, at least a dozen, if you haven't been shooting and you're mm. coming here to get dialed, then probably bring a few more because- the ground is not uh, conducive to um, yeah. missing and arrows surviving. Yeah. No, I, I like having a lot of arrows. Yeah. And, uh, even like just back here at the house, like if I go to Total Archer Challenge, I don't want to come home with like one arrow and then be like, <laughs> oh, geez, there's so many things going on. And I'm like, oh, which bow is it? And how, Caleb, I need more. You know, I just want to have. Yeah, just like, get the arrows. It's like having like for me ammo or for any a lot of people having ammo, you know, mm-hmm. I like having, having a stockpile. Like yeah, having, no, I agree with that. I like having, having a few, I like having a few arrows, but, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. So Caleb came up here when you guys were at, and I, I couldn't make it. I mean, it's right down the street. I mean, parked, I, I can see it. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't, they didn't make it because there was just too much going on, but jamming. Caleb came up here. And so we shot here. And, uh, so Caleb delivered my bow. Um, he delivered the one for my wife too. And then, uh, then Hoyt Colby Skinner down the road at Hoyt, he sent up bows for the whole family, oh, which is awesome. awesome. So right over the, the, um, uh, the man on, on the mantle, uh, downstairs, uh, above the fireplace or all the kids, bows right the there bows. so you can just grab them and yeah that's so fantastic my daughter's excited for all the, the snow to melt so she can start slinging some arrows how old again. is she again 17 she's 17 yeah now. Mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah and she's yeah so she's you've yeah what how was she at that that last one yeah like, yeah that really would have been like what 
five or six. So she was like, she was young. Yeah. But you came to Park City one time. The first time, maybe, uh, or no? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was Snowbird. I'm trying it to remember. Everything's kind of conflating now, especially since everything's turned into one long day. I know. Um, around here. That's how it is for me. I never remember, like, I think I remember which <laughs> event or which. Well, yeah, you, I mean, you're, yeah, that I can see how that you could conflate with so many, some of these different events. Um, and I love, we were actually, my wife yesterday said that we need to get the Yeti, the, uh, the, the Sasquatch. Big, the Sasquatch. Yeah, so we might have to uh, get one of those uh, I'll, next year. I'll probably have one available at nice. the end of this season. Let's do it. He'll be used. Let's do it. Do they come in three colors? Uh, no, they come in one color. Didn't I see a big green one, or did you paint it? Well, that was a custom done. Yeah, that was a custom. <laughs> that was a Dudley for, one? Yeah, yeah, for knock-on. We okay. did a custom Sasquatch. It's called the Knock Squatch. Okay, got yeah, it. So the Knock Squatch is a custom color. Yeah. Now, it. we can do a custom color if you want. Now, I've painted one white in the past. To make it a Yeti? Yeah, made yeah. it a Yeti for a specific, uh, that was for Mountain Ops. Nice. Um, they needed, they were doing some product deal. So we painted him with, I can't remember, but it worked, it stayed really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so we could make you a custom color yeah. if you wanted. Yeah, no, I don't know if I need a custom color. I want people to like be driving, you know, or coming Set them in. up on the corner over here. Somewhere where it's like you do a double take. Yeah, you like, well, or you hit it with the headlights, you know? <laughs> yeah, what the? Yeah. Uh-huh. I saw it. Get out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah, something we, like that. We've That's always a fun said one. we were going to do that, and then when the car slams on its brakes, then lay the Yeti down. Uh, and so it. then they're like, I swear I saw it. Yeah. Now yeah. I need a couple of Yetis. Well, at least one, I think. Anyway, that was kind of cool that my wife wanted to put a Yeti up we'll here. We'll work on like, that yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Especially yeah. our kids that come here, like uh, for the uh, family that, that have younger kids or whatever yep. that are coming out here, like to be able to have a Yeti there. It just kind of puts a smile on their face. Oh, and It's kind of fun. And it's a bigger and target, it's obviously. giant. Yeah. It's I think huge. he's seven. He's over seven feet tall. Yeah, I think he's gigantic. Yeah, he's a giant. It's he like looks awesome. Yeti. We actually do a thing with him um, with Jack Links. Okay. Uh, so now we set up the Yeti. Um, they haven't given this shot an official name, but I call it messing with Sasquatch. Okay. Uh, he's holding a bag of jerky, you know, cause Yeti, you know, Sasquatch, they like jerky. Okay. I was not aware of this. Yeah, you didn't. Okay. Well they do. Okay. And so when you're messing with Sasquatch, do you remember those commercials? I forget. Like uh-huh. they had all these guys who would do things to uh, mess around with the Sasquatch. Now I get it. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. So anyway, you shoot gotcha. this bag of jerky. If you hit the jerky, then you're you win a bag of jerky. Okay. And then you're put in to win some amazing prize pack. But nice. so we've got a messing with Sasquatch shot okay. at Total Archery Challenge. And that's is that like the three hundred yard shot or something like no, that? No, it's not even that far. Mm. It's a small bag of jerky. It's one of their sample bags. It's like a little four or five inch bag. Nice. Um so we did make it hard, but it uh I I don't know. I think it's like 68 yards. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. So doable. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's not the truck shot. Okay. But anyway, so uh, there you go. Yeah. No, I think we need Sasquatch yeah, is making yeah. appearance everywhere. Yeah. No, I think we need one up, up here. We're doing um, it. Yeah. I think we need one up here for sure. And is it possible that I found Birch Barrel through Total Archery Challenge? It is. Yes. Okay. Yep. Nice. Huge fan of that machine. Yeah, that, we have two of them out here. Um, I just used it over the weekend. It, it finally is not covered not in snow. snow. <laughs> yeah, so I got uh, three, three tomahawks on there and cooked it up for some friends up here at the at the house. But I love that that thing because you have to be on it. You That's, do. Uh, like you can't just set it. You know, like some of the, like the pellet ones, which are great, but it, which are, which all have their place. I think you know. Yeah, because for me, the pellet one, which I do like, I use it a lot. The pellet one, you just you're cooking and you can yeah. leave. 
for me, the birch barrel is the, it's the hangout one. You gotta be there. It's where you got the fire going, mm-hmm. you're chatting with your buddies or whoever, and you're cooking. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this, you may like this for the kids. Uh, are you guys pizza fans at all? Oh yeah. So we'll go down to, is it, who's the one that's like take and bake? Is it Papa Murphy's or Papa John's? Whichever one's take and bake. Yeah. I don't remember either, but you take those take and bakes cause nobody wants to take time to make the whole pizza. Mm-hmm. Fold that thing in half, yeah. pinch it closed, put some butter and okay. uh, some garlic salt on there. And then you just cook it on that, a calzone, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it is fast. Really? And phenomenal. Man, I'm hungry right now. I think I'm going to try that Oh, tonight. you got to do that. That is a, that's a home run every time. Okay. And it's easy. You just pick up the pizza at the take and bake and then. Perfect. Throw okay. it together and cook it. That's you, happening. That's yeah, happening I'm here. telling you, you're going to love it. Oh man, that's but awesome. you got to be on it. I, well, I like that because that's, uh, you know it's you can pour yourself a little whiskey maybe you can go outside you know hey i gotta be on it family i gotta be out here around this thing yeah. can take a breather for a second for all the uh yeah, for all exactly. the dads listening uh instead of like just setting you know setting your trigger or your uh yoder i want to get a yoder i think next because that know, thing i don't know that i've is that the that's, that's like the one made in the u.s that's what i was gonna ask you yeah. and i have seen that yeah so i think it's I, i've only seen them online um but they look solid yeah they, they do. look really solid I love to cook, especially outside. Yeah. So I've got too many different things. I think you got to have them all, though. You got to have them all. Yeah. I just got that Blackstone, the big giant griddle. Okay. The big one. I got the 36-incher, and I'm a huge fan of cooking on a flat iron. Yeah. Like, that's one you need. If you don't have it, that's another thing you need to add. Okay. You'll love it. I'm going to add a few things out here. I'm going to get the green egg. I've been looking at that for over a decade, probably 15 years, you know, and yeah. just never could get one in the past. And so when I get one of those, are the, not the huge one, but the extra large, don't they have an XXL and an I, XL? Yeah. I Something don't like that. Yeah. But I think you got to get the egg, got to get the birch barrel, got to have some sort of a pellet, whether it's the, the Traeger or the Yoder. Um, and you know, there's a place for gas grills too, you know, Absolutely. quick up, turn that thing on, boom, boom, done. You're back inside. Yep. Um, you know, you gotta have a grill for every occasion. I agree with you that. Know? Yeah. Cause sometimes you want the grill to have a break and hang out. Yeah. Sometimes you want the grill to just hustle yep. and cook some food and yep. get to bed or move yeah, on. To exactly. The next thing, whatever exactly. it is with the kids. And you know, what I, lo- I love the um, old school Weber just growing up, yes. you know, seventies with, uh, with my charcoal. dad or charcoal. Got to get the Kingsford charcoal briquettes, yep. you know, and, uh, and that there's just something about that smell. that's like a time machine it takes me back it to, uh, flavor too, before though. there was light beer, you know, <laughs> you had the actual Coors yeah. banquet beer, uh, around that, uh, thing. And there's a smell that takes me back in time to the, uh, uh, late seventies and duck duck on the, uh, the Weber like really? that is awesome. Put like my, yeah, my brother-in-law does it. He comes out and brings, uh, brings ducks out here and, and, Put, Are we, we put, talking we, wild ducks? Oh yeah. Or, okay. Yeah, and right. uh, and we put uh, put, put that uh, those old school Kingsford briquettes just on one side of the grill, so you kind of make it a little you know ad hoc smoker ish, yeah. and then you put the uh, put your duck on the other side, and uh, you got to be around it. You got to be got to be kind of close by, yeah. but it has that that smell that takes me back in time. And for some reason, on those ducks, just you know, a little you know salt and pepper on those things, and oh, so good. My dad, so good. Uh, my dad cooked a lot on the Weber grill. Mm-hmm. Everybody had one. And it's essentially the same. 
Yep. You know, I put it in this last book. I actually, I love it so much. I added it to, uh, as a character development I mean, tool to this novel. It changed, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it looks the same. I did get the one that has the um, temperature on it. So I did cheat a little bit, but oh, it looks do. exactly the okay. same, but you pay like, it's like $20 extra or something like that. So instead of a hundred, it's 120 for a brand new one. And it's just the. the so little, you can see how hot it is. In yeah. There. yeah. Well, I felt like he was an expert growing up and he would make a smoked chicken, mm. but he would use. I don't know, some weird looking contraption that's probably from the 60s or 70s and put tea bags in there. Huh. Yeah, I, and then he, that would be the flavor of the smoke. And he would smoke through the tea bags. Interesting. And cook this chicken. And I am not kidding you huh. to die for. That's it. I'm going to look. I'm going to see if anybody will, else has done that. I will get up. you this recipe Thank because you. it is to die for. Thank you. It takes time. It, but oh yeah. my gosh, it is so good. Oh, that's awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's a phenomenal uh, chicken treat. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I'll send you that too. Thank you. Yeah, I love that old school at old school Weber. It looks the same. I just, you know, it's like I said, I added a little temperature gauge thing, but essentially it looks the same as the one I grew up with, you know. And, so, and those would just go forever until they rusted out. And then when it rusted out, you'd use it for a few more years. And then eventually things would just start the to fall, would fall yeah. out. And, and the then, legs would break yeah, off. exactly. Then you had to get a new one. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but they would last for a long time and just, you know, in some horrible conditions. And you didn't really treat them very well. And they, uh, but they struggled along as long as they could. Yeah. And then they just, rusted through and you know that was the end of it and you get a new one yeah we had that and we had the little gas grill and i can't remember what mm. kind it was but it was it had the same problem it would rust out like a coleman type thing back then yeah yeah mm. no like the i don't know it's just you could cook probably four pork chops on it and that was it nice. maybe eight hot dogs if you were lucky yeah. like just a small one and we left it in the garage pulled it out cooked that's what we cooked on either the weber which i was never good at yeah. Or this uh, gas grill. Okay. Uh, all through high school. Oh, nice. Did yeah. you grow up hunting, or did you? Up oh, hunting? yeah. So I grew up hunting. I, I, my first hunt that I remember, I was in. Uh, I must have been eight years old. That's uh, that's kind of how I remember it. Um, we went on a cow elk hunt. My dad's buddy had a tag, and it was m myself and my older brother and my dad that went with him, mm. and we were successful. Cow tag on the Fish Lake unit. Um, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. I was hooked. Uh, so my brother, I, there's six in my family. My brother and I are really the only one that, that hunt. Okay. My other brothers, you know, are kind of casual, maybe this year, maybe not for five years, whatever, but we love to hunt. And so got our, uh, I took the test. My brother took the test for hunter safety and man, I, that's all I did. Everything I thought about was hunting. My dad, this tell you how awesome my dad was, um, my parents got divorced when I was like 12. And so I moved in with him when he moved down to uh, this rural town where he was working. Um, I hunted like crazy. And he would go with me almost all the time. He'd go with my buddies and he would cook dinner, breakfast, mm. lunch, and we'd go hunt. Anyway, when I graduated and left, he never hunted again. Mm. And I was like, man, how come you don't hunt anymore? He's like, ah, I never was really into it. So I just did it because you liked it. Oh. And I was like, that's amazing. Wow. So I was pretty stoked on that. Um, but I've hunted my whole life. I guided for years in Alaska and Montana. How'd you get up there? What was the... Uh... So Alaska is a pretty interesting story, a fun story. One that I'm not even sure I would let my own kids do at yeah. this point in time. But when I was 16 years old, a real good friend of mine was 15. His uncle lived in Anchorage. 
And we were talking one day about his uncle living there. And I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to go work in Alaska. And he's like, oh, me too. I'm what were you thinking? Were you thinking fishing boats? Or were you I thinking? I didn't even know. Okay. Just the idea of Alaska yeah. was always magical right, right. to me. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to call my uncle. So he does. And his uncle's like, oh, let me see. He gets us a job with a, in a fish factory processing salmon roe, the okay. eggs. Yeah. And uh, so it turns into a reality over the next 90 days, talking about it with his uncle and our parents and whatever. And we decide, well, we have to have a truck. So we get it all approved. We're going up there. I'm 16. He's 15. And we drove a Jeep Comanche to Alaska. That is awesome. Oh, my heck. It was, I was telling you earlier about this, but sat down with our parents Went through the whole road atlas, nice. highlighted the roads we're supposed to be on. I we didn't it. have the maps back then. You're flipping through this road atlas, yeah. making notes of like, hey, make sure you catch exit whatever yeah. to just try to figure this out so that we can actually make it. We had to have notarized documents from uh, our parents. And I think a judge was involved in this <laughs> to get us across the border yeah. because we were under 18. Okay. So we get up there. It took us 65 hours to get there. Um, but the Alcan Highway was dirt road. Amazing. Um, they were just starting the construction then yeah. to pave it. It's a paved road now. And so we had a spot there where we were moving at 10, 15 miles an hour for hours and hours as they're doing this construction all by ourselves. We, uh, we, we bombed it, though. When you're young like that, you can drive forever. Yeah. So we bombed it. We ended up sleeping um, one night in Prince George, British Columbia, yeah. actually. We stopped there. But one night we stopped at a park. We were just beat. So I was laying under a park table, uh, sleeping in my sleeping bag. I woke up, and there's this little kid staring at me. <laughs> and uh, anyway, that adventure, we got there. Here's This is a funny part of the story. We get to Alaska. We're promised... Uh, Lodging, food, the whole shebang. That's part of the pay. Mm. At least that's the impression we're under. Yeah. So we get there. We're going to talk to them to figure out where we're staying and all this. And they're like, well, this is what it costs. And the charge was way more than we were making. We were making $6.25 an hour uh, when we went up there. And they were charging way more than we were ever going to make. So we're like, mm -hmm. oh, man, we're in trouble here. What are we going to do? Well, there's this other guy there who was having the same issue. And I don't remember how old he was. If I was to guess, I'm going to say mid-20s. He seemed old to us. We were 16. And <laughs> he's like, hey, I had the same problem, guys. But if you want to camp with me, I've got a really nice camp spot up on the hill. And, you know, we're trusting him. We're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. So we go up there, and it's just this shanty that was built when they had to clean up the oil spill oh, wow. in the Prince William Sound. Mm -hmm. We're in Cordova. So he's staying there. There's really not enough room in this makeshift hut of his, mm -hmm. uh, but it is flat out in front. So we built basically a, a square frame, wrapped it in visqueen, put some corrugated uh, steel on top, all this rummaged from the dump or whatever. And, uh, and then took a bunch of cardboard from the dumpsters at the, um, fish plants, built us a nice floor and then set up our tent in the middle. And we lived in that for a month. Nice. And then at that point they shipped us to a new area, Galena 
up on the Yukon. And that's when we had food and lodging from that point on and a $2 raise. Hey, not bad. We were crushing it. When you're that young, it was all an adventure. Yeah. All of it was an adventure. We had so much fun and I, and that's how I got into it. So I'm in Galena and I met or that my manager in Galena is like, Hey, one of my friends is a guide here and he refuels planes in the summer. When do you want to meet him? I'm like, heck yes, that'd be awesome. So I go and meet this outfitter, Bob Adams, Adams guide service. He's like, Hey, do you want to be a grunt? You're just going to, you know, you're doing hard labor, packing Mm -hmm. out moose, graveling the runway, skinning moose, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. All the grunt work. And uh, I'm like, yes, I do want to do this. He's like, well, it doesn't pay very much. It's like $50 a day. I'm like, I'll do it for free. Are you kidding me? Do I get to go and, Right. On these hunts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pfft, done. Wow. So that's how it started for me, and I did that for quite a few years, guiding for him. Okay. And uh, How long uh, did you do the grunt work before you became a guide? Did you have to uh, go through the full-on, like, Alaska guide? Yes. Yeah, so it's it's not as complicated as it sounds. Um, I was a grunt for a fall hunt mm-hmm. and a spring hunt. Okay. And then I was grunt slash guide the next fall mm. that I was there. So not very long, uh, you're still a grunt when you're guiding, you're still a grunt. Mm. You just get paid more. Mm. But, uh, so I started guiding for him. Um, some of the greatest moments ever. Oh, so awesome. I mean, I loved it. So I would go up in April guide spring bear, April, May, go do fish in the fish factory for June, July, and then go back and guide August and September. Okay. And it was, the greatest time of my life, I think, until, you know, things change and your your focus has changed. But in that moment, I was living the dream. Man, I so loved. And Alaska still, I still try to go back oh. every year. I'm going this year with my 16-year-old. Oh, so cool. To hunt moose. Gosh. Alaska is a magical place. I've been going forever, and it has never lost its magic. Oh, I love that place. In fact, you and I were talking about trying to go up and do it. I know we should. Who would, yeah. Somebody was, uh, we're trying to get up there with somebody last time you were up here. Um, but man, yeah, I love Alaska too. I, we have a cold weather warfare training facility up there in Kodiak on uh, the SEAL teams where John Barklow worked for about a decade. Um, and uh, it's so beautiful up there. But I got to spend some time uh, before I went in the military up there backpacking around. Loved Alaska. I've been up there a few times since. I tried. I was. I had that plan to go up every year. Um, oh, so I was, I was like an Africa hunt and a, an Alaska hunt. And uh, you know, you get a little little busy. I was so bummed. I had to cancel my. Uh, I think, yeah, we talked about this last time you were up here. Yeah, but I had to cancel did. my um, uh, Alaska hunt this year. There was just too much too much going on, and I had well, to. Well, when there's had not, to write the book. It, uh, Let's go. Yeah, no, no. When there's not, it is so much fun. Yeah. Oh, and we're in some of the most I beautiful country. So yeah. when you're ready, let's go. Yeah. The year before that, they made it into the Wrangles and uh, it was uh, uh, bear, uh, moose and wolf. And uh, it was an incredible hunt. Yeah. Two, two of my best buddies were up there uh, together and have, I mean, it was a really cool day. And just getting there, just traveling in Alaska is oh, such yeah. a great part of that adventure. Even just flying up commercial and going to that airport and like looking I at know. the taxidermy in the airport. Like that's all part of it. It's like going through Seattle, you know, going seeing a little bit. Okay. It's kind of like now you're getting warmed up in the Seattle airport, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, you know, grab a beer, whatever, get on the plane, fly up there, land 
in in Anchorage, seeing some of that taxidermy. The, uh, one of the world right record moose. Oh, is it right there? I, I've seen it a thousand times. Okay. I still have to stop every time. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And then yeah. they have like, uh, it's just, I love that airport. And then uh, maybe you spend the night in Anchorage and you go yep. to the sports chalet and uh, go in there. You buy things you don't probably need. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I love going in there. It's just part of the Part well, of the you, deal. Have to, you have to go eat at Moose's Tooth. I don't know if you've ever done know. that. Uh. So the Moose's Tooth is a pizza place there in Anchorage. Uh, there isn't a better pizza place anywhere. Ooh, next so time I'm going, for sure. you go, mm-hmm. Moose's Tooth. Okay. The Backpacker, that's my favorite pizza up there. Okay. Um, I don't think it has meat on it, though. I'm not sure I want to admit that, but the pizza, yeah, the backpacker pizza. It's I don't right. know if there's, it is the, it's phenomenal. And, the, and there's some novelty to it, right? You're in Alaska, it's beautiful, but I'm yep. telling you, Moose's Tooth. That's where you okay. gotta go next. Moose's Tooth. After I uh, spend a little time, t- way too much time at the sports chalet up there. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that place has been around forever too. Yeah, forever. Yeah, so and cool. If, if you want to talk to people that know what you need, mm-hmm. I. I would not recommend going to some of the other places. I would recommend you go there to yeah. the Sports Chalet. It's, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. They have great, great stuff, great people working there. New ownership over the last, yeah. uh, I forget. Uh, three years ago, three maybe, years, or was yeah. it four? Something along those lines, but everybody's yeah. so wonderful in there. It's a destination. You got to go. It you got to go check it out. And, and they're very knowledgeable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in a serious business. So yeah. we always stop there and then go out from from there to wherever we're, we're going. But the Wrangles was beautiful last time. So it was a, it was a beautiful drive. And then to just some little, you know, gravel runway in the middle of nowhere. You're kind of like, this exactly. is where we're going. And you just hang out. No one else is around. We're like, I guess a plane's going to come. You know, there's yeah. no way to talk to anybody. Yeah. And uh, and then this plane just comes out of nowhere and lands and, and drops somebody off maybe or in you go. And then off you go to this <laughs> yeah. like base camp. And then uh, you give uh, unpack a little bit or unpack the plane anyway. And we had one night there and then got the horses ready and off we went. Oh, you did horseback. Yeah. That's awesome. Then we went home on horses for a full day wow. to get deep into the wrangles and uh it went just this beautiful area it was amazing spent over a week maybe nine days something like that and then uh and then came on out same thing horses back through and i think a lot of the places that the horses go up there like you wouldn't do it down here it's like a different deal (laughs) in alaska you know what i mean you'd be way too worried and there they just do it there's no other real options yeah um but uh it was so beautiful horses back another night that that at uh, the base camp and then back to uh you know not quite civilization but I, because of the fish industry, um, we followed the salmon because we were Mm. processing the salmon row. So I've traveled all over, I would say the lower half of Alaska. Um, and I haven't been to a place I didn't think was pretty. They're different. Galena out there on the Mm. Yukon is much different than other places, you know, Kenai, Cordova, Uh the Wrangles. It, it's the, it's the flats. Okay. Swamp lands of the Yukon, if you will. Okay. Still beautiful. Still magical. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it's awesome. I love Alaska. Yeah. Oh, I man. think I need to retire there. I can't wait to get back. I, I, yeah. I, I'm seriously looking up there. Alaska could, Alaska could break <laughs> off at any time and be its own country. No problem. I mean, you've got oil, you have fish, you have timber, you have all the natural resources. You Absolutely. have a, uh, a border that's harder to cross, uh, right there. <laughs> yeah. It's no, no one's yeah. rushing it to get across that border. Uh, and you have ports for trade. Um, you got a serious military contingent up there already. National guard. You've got, it's just, you could, they got you could break. Yeah, you, got it all. you got it all. Yeah. I mean, it's 
What I, what is it? A third the size of the U.S. or something? I think I mean, it can, is its own country. It, yeah, it, no, essentially it is, and it could very easily be so. Uh, be its own, it'd be its own country, no problem. Uh, in reality, but uh, yeah, I love it up there. I was supposed to go, so it was in the Admiralty Islands, is where I had to cancel my hunt this last fall. But I was there a couple years ago, um, and uh, it didn't get anything. Had a legal uh, legal brown bear coming in, but it was I could tell. Uh, so it was Mutz. So she was the uh, second Alaska master oh, guide yeah. female and, uh, and her mom was the first. And so she'd grown, she's grown up doing this, you know, in those areas and she's amazing. She's incredible. Um, That's awesome. but what I wanted to hear from her was like the, in her voice, like, this is the one. Yeah. Instead I heard like the whisper that this he's legal. Yeah. And I was like, ah, nope. This yeah. one has a few oh. more years left in him. Yeah. So, uh, but, it, but then, so we tried to scare it off cause I was like, no. Um, and, uh, but it was young. Being young, he came, kept coming. Oh, kept I Kept coming. Yeah. Kept coming. And uh, so I was off. Say, we have a, we had a great video of him coming in. But then I'm like, wait a second. I don't want to be the idiot that gets mauled because I'm trying to film this thing. <laughs> yeah. So I put the phone down and, uh, and it's, uh, but it kept recording the, the sound. And so you hear it coming closer, coming closer. I'm just ready. And, uh, and he goes to, to, uh, to, to, you think it's going to be a charge. Like, yeah. like, like for me, not being as experienced around, around bears, you know, I've done a, a few a bark times, and a stomp. but, uh, but it came like this and, but he, but he was f- so close and, uh, much was like, shoot, but to, she, in the same sentence, she said no. And so I, I was like, we, like I was so, so close. And instead of coming right at us, it was the at us and the, and this, and this, that slight tight turn of the shoulder to go off. Yeah. Way. So that was close, but, uh, I, it was beautiful. And I, we saw so many, but every day, I mean, 20, 30, 40. I, bears are my favorite animal to hunt. I've said this before with other people that I don't know what it is. I love hunting bears, mm-hmm. but I also in that same breath have the hardest time killing bears. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, when you shoot one of these big bears, they've been around for 20 plus years. And, uh, I mean, we're talking about the monarchs of the tundra, but to watch them hunt them, the adrenaline of it, I love, but I also love just watching them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've watched some old warriors go down out there on the tundra and, uh, some that we've seen before or whatever. Um, so for me, I, there's, I love it and I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite animal to hunt. Yeah. So I've, I've never hunted one for myself yet. Mm. Uh, I've only guided them, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. It's coming in the next few years nice. for sure. Nice. So, uh, but I, man, there's something about them. Just watching them. They're an, that's an amazing animal. Oh yeah. yeah I got over to Kamchaka, Russia for uh, research for my, uh, third novel for Savage Sun. It was such an important part of the of the story. I went to Mozambique for the for the second one uh, for True Believer, and then dropped also down uh, the year after that. Still doing a little more research for True Believer and also mm-hmm. Savage Sun at the same time uh, to South Africa, do some anti poaching training down there. But going to Kamchatka, Russia, was really cool because once again you fly fly to Alaska, and uh, at least the way we did it, uh, there, I think there's one month a year at least back then when um, you could go from Anchorage. <laughs> to Russia and oh, then really? well, one month. And if you didn't get, make it during that month, guess what? You're going the long way. 
which is essentially all the way around. Right. Um, I wonder why that's set up like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think, well, I think it's people going to uh, do Kamchatka for, uh, to fish and, uh, and hunt. Oh, so uh, they're a lot of fishing, capturing a, lot of a whole fishing. bunch of people. I think so. And then they catch them on the way back I and think it's so. over. Yeah, and if it. you want to okay. go and hit some of the other, um, you know, maybe not as, uh, as popular uh, activities. Like, like the, I think it's a lot of fishing. I think it was mostly, mm-hmm. on my flight anyway, it looked like mostly, for, you can tell, you know, you're like, okay, Sims, okay, guy. You're yeah, just looking yeah, at yeah. gear and backpacks and all that stuff. Yeah. And kind of putting people into, you know, making snap judgments based on what people are wearing. <laughs> well, and, that's, you're you know, not always hey, wrong on no, that. No, you're Certainly not on a plane. Yeah, no, exactly. Especially going to, into, uh, into Russia. Uh, but that was a cool adventure too. Uh, so landing Comte, there did you, uh, did you hunt while you were there too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brown bear. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So when you went out, were you in, did you fly out from there in some old military helicopter that oh, yeah. scared you to death? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the old like one that, but you know, it didn't scare me too much. Cause I, I looked, I, I checked it out. I've been in a few helicopters. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this thing looks like it's pretty serious. And those things are like, they're like AK-47s, you know, like that you can beat those things up and they're, (laughs) they're probably still going to work. Um, so yeah, we get definitely, we flew around in those things. So landed another, a nice drive. And then they have these little fueling stations set up. So you're flying in helicopters and you land, do a refuel, head up because you have to go so far. Oh, really? Yeah. So you got to wow. do like get back up in there. And it was uh, it was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. And and I uh, learned a lot that I then wove into the pages Absolutely. of the novel. And, you know, but it's different because I though in Mozambique, I was asking all these questions um, uh, to the professional hunters and the trackers. And everyone was so open about talking about their country, the politics, the yeah. the uh, the poaching the uh, Chinese mining operations, illegal and legal, uh, just all, anything. They were just so open and warm and inviting and wanted to talk to me because I was like, hey, I'm writing this book and I have these questions. Different in Russia. Yeah. And I think that's uh, because for most of Russian history, if someone was asking you pointed questions, and a lot of mine because I write these political thrillers, there's like a military component, an intelligence service component, like that sort of a thing. (laughs) So my questions are kind of, but but when I went to Russia, I still had this experience from Mozambique and then later from South Africa in in my mind. And I was like... Oh, you know, I was asking the same types and people were very closed off. I'm sure. Uh-huh. Cause I think, yeah, most of human history or Russian history, if you're getting asked those kind of questions, uh, you were not long for the world. Like you were, <laughs> right. you were going, uh, yeah, into the gulag. Um, but, uh, eventually I got, got people to open up and I got to, to ask a ton of questions and weave what I learned into the pages of the novel. But, um, yeah, got a, uh, uh, amazing brown bear out there and it was just uh, an incredible experience. So when you're doing those trips, um, investigative trips, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, how long are you there? That one was only a week in Kamchatka because okay. you're, you're, it was one flight a week. So you're yeah, either there gotcha. seven days, 14 days, 21 Got days. It. Like yeah. you, there's only a certain number of options, uh, to get in and out of there. If you don't want to go all the way around the world, right. essentially, which you don't fly. Yeah. But it's so much going on. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to like take a train across like parts of the world or fly certain parts of Land Siberia, whatever. Europe, yeah. And that sort of across. thing. Like that would be really cool to do things like that. But, um, uh, you know, right now it's, it's go, go, go. Yeah. So, um, uh, so that one was seven. Uh, what was, uh, Mozambique was like a little over, a little over two weeks. I want to say. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, maybe 17 days. Something so like that. before you go, are you, do you like, you're like, okay, here's the questions I need answered yeah. because this is how I kind of want the story to play out. And so you're like, all right, I got to see this place, this place, this place. And I need to talk to these people. 
I don't really say I need to talk to these people. I have the questions though, because I don't know okay. exactly who I'm gonna gonna meet okay. and run across and who's gonna be appropriate to ask what question. But especially for that first one for Mozambique when I hadn't didn't hadn't turned in the first novel to Simon and Schuster yet, didn't have any book deal, but I knew mm-hmm. I was writing a second novel regardless. Um, so I was already on the plane to Mozambique, already already going, and I had a bunch of questions and a bunch of uh, sentences that I wanted to get translated into different dialects. Oh, I see. Like, okay. so, and I had like the same words over here. So the same sentences that I wanted to have as options to use in dialogue, but I wanted it in some local dialects, uh, French, uh, you know, Afrikaans, what, you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to have all the different ones in there. And there was a lot of different dialects more than I expected. So I tried those all translated over there through my pH for my professional hunter. Um, and we got, uh, got to sit down with him and I I've seen him twice since, maybe three times, uh, going back since that, since that trip. So, um, yeah, so I, so I, so I do go with a list of questions. I don't think I went with a list of questions this last time to Argentina. So I went to Argentina, um, and I thought it was gonna, I was doing research for this novel right here that I just gave you for, uh, only the dead. But, uh, once I got, then I went down there and I was still thinking through things. And then I realized when I got back that it was, I was trying to force it. So it didn't work. So in that, in this book, it's what Colorado is for anybody that, uh, that reads this book, the, the portion that takes place in Colorado in my head, when I went, when I did my outline, I uh, was thinking that was going to be Argentina, but then it was just too, it didn't make sense geographically. And so very early on, I was like, you know what? It feels like I'm forcing this because I, I had such a great experience in Argentina and I've wanted to go to Argentina. I've been there twice, but I wanted to get it into a book rather than it being a natural part of the story. So, uh, the same things happen that I had in my outline, but it's in Colorado. No, it's in Colorado. Yeah. We're at in Colorado. So it's, uh, on the, uh, Fraser river. Yeah. I don't even know where that's at. Yeah. So Southern ish, uh, like South, way South. Like no, I shouldn't say South. It's not South. It's, uh, South West, but, uh, more West, uh, not crazy far South. Not I'm too, look not it too up. far. I'm going to look it up. Fraser yeah. river. Yeah. Cause that'd be like the Arkansas is right there. I think. Right. Uh, yes. You pass the Arkansas. If you're coming from Denver, then you, you cross the Arkansas and, uh, go, I I just remember this off the top of my head because uh, I love going to the fly fishing, like local fly fishing shops, kind of like local archery shops for me. I love going in and, you know, seeing what they're doing. And even if I don't need anything, buying a couple of things or buying their coffee cup and you know, uh, whatever. But, um, so I always pull over when I see something, something like that. So, uh, yep. And then you, you keep going. And then I describe it in the book and it's uh yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place. I'm going to look um, that up because yeah. I spend a lot of time in Colorado hunting. And so I'll be interested to uh, see where this is at. Yep. Yeah. Not too far from here. I've driven it. I've driven it. It's not that, uh, that for, but it's made, made sense for the storyline to, yeah. to have it there. So I'll eventually weave Argentina back in for some, you know, it'll work, but it has to be natural. Can't right. be forced. Yeah. It all has to be about the story, making the story the best that it can, it can possibly yeah. be. But, but you got back from a really cool hunt here recently. The, uh, I did. Oh, muskox. Man, did I? Yeah. Muskox. So man, Greenland, in, uh, in Greenland. Man. Yeah. Um, I've, I've always wanted to hunt muskox, mm-hmm. um, since I was a little kid, they are muskox are, that's an old animal. That's a prehistoric animal mm-hmm. to me. Um, you know, I would say it's like the crocodile right he's been around forever i feel like the muskox been mm. around forever okay anyway um so a friend of mine who hunts quite a bit internationally called me and said dude i'm going muskox hunting and i'm like how do i get involved in this yeah and he's like oh let me let me see if they have room and we'll go so they did have room so we booked it right away um 
And I told my wife, you know, it, she also likes to hunt, but she knows like hunting is my passion. I love to hunt. And so she's like, oh, that's awesome. Good. So here's the crazy part. We booked this three years ago, pre-COVID, mm. and then it got shut down. As you know, Europe was shut down more than anything the U.S. had seen. So we were out for those few years and finally got an opening this spring. We show, we fly out, book our flights, fly out there. How do you get there? What's the, what's the route? Well, it's not an enjoyable one compared <laughs> to how close Greenland is. So yeah. you, we flew to... Where did we fly to? Oh, to it was a direct flight. Oh, it was, direct. was uh, Salt Lake to Amsterdam. Okay. So, you know, you fly over, yeah. literally, right. over the airport. The way you're going because, yeah. Yeah, you fly over the airport in Greenland and go to Amsterdam. Yeah. And then from Amsterdam, Copenhagen. Okay. And then Copenhagen back to Greenland. Oh, yes, of course. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Then. So okay. there are no flights that'll get you there from Canada or the U.S. You have to go to Europe. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> so anyway, it's a lot of flying. So we do all that. Well, we're in Denmark, right? We're in Copenhagen the night before we fly to Greenland. And we get a, a, a text message. No, it was an email. We get an email from the booking agent that says, uh, hey, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your hunt has been canceled. No. And we're like, what? Yeah. We talked to you a couple days ago. Like, what do you mean it's canceled? No response. He wouldn't answer our phone calls, emails, nothing. So we're like, well, let's reach out to the outfitter. Um, so we reach out to the outfitter via Instagram. Okay. And their daughter just happens to be on there doing some work. She handles their social media. And so we're like, hey, we were just told our hunt's canceled. What's up? So she immediately gets a hold of us. I mean, we're so lucky because they were prepping for these hunts. I mean, we may have never heard from them. And they're like, I don't think it's canceled, but you guys haven't paid. We're like, what do you mean yet we haven't paid? We paid three years ago. No, we haven't received a dime. So we're like, oh, my heck. Could this and so your booking agent's supposed to be doing that, like your hunting yeah, concierge service. Yeah, we gave him service. the money, and his money goes he's supposed to, to He takes his percentage, and then he puts, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, and this this particular agent, this buddy of mine's hunted with before. So, you know, it wasn't like we were just going into this blind. This We had experience yeah. with this guy. So, well, you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't, did. but my buddy did. A one-time experience. And multiple. Multiple. Multiple mm. experiences. Still, if it's not so, my booking agent, I'm suspect. Yeah, I, I'll i tell you this. I don't know that I'll book internationally with a booking agent ever again. Yeah. But here's how it ended up. So they haven't been paid. Um, we had two options. Get really mad about it, mm. which changes nothing, and go home. Or uh, I called my wife. I'm like, Monica, you, I need this amount of money wired to these people ASAP. Mm -hmm. So she speeds up to the bank, and lucky for us, she gets it out that day. So the money goes out. We wire it to the outfitter directly, and uh, but we missed a day. We flew in. Uh. Rightly so. The outfitter wouldn't let us hunt because they hadn't been paid. So we miss our first day of our hunt to this wiring you know it takes yeah, yeah. takes a day or so to get it so they get it and uh they get the money we go out had an amazing hunt i i'll bet you we saw 150 musk ox 
Oh, wow. I mean, they're everywhere. I want to ask you specific questions about the Muskox, but I'm also now concerned with your other booking agent and what happened to that money. So, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened to the money, then we can dive into the hunt because the hunt was amazing. The outfitter was amazing. Nice. Um, and I loved every moment of it. We have not gotten our money back <laughs> yet. Really? Yeah, we're working on it. Um, well, I guess, yeah, if, if the guy said he paid three years ago, and you assumed that to be the case because that's this person's job and that's that business. Yeah. yeah. And now they didn't. Gosh, so here's ugh. my guess. This is what I think. I'm, I could be totally wrong, but I, here's what I think happened. Booking agent only gets paid because he books hunts. Europe gets shut down for a few years, right? Mm. He's not booking hunts, mm. right? Because he can't do them. So I think he's living on deposits. That's what I think. Yeah. And now he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. Like Jack Carr books a hunt. You're going to pay him. And mm -hmm. now he, that's how he's going to pay for the hunt. Yeah. Of the oh, deposit man. he spent. Right. <clears throat> it's a downward spiral for sure. Yeah. That's, <sighs> this is my guess yeah. on what happened. Yeah. Because the sense. guy has a million good reviews. I mean, yeah. I dove in afterwards. Yeah. Like what the heck. Right. And my buddies hunted with him multiple times huh. with no issue. And so, uh, so I was like, okay, so what's the problem? That's, that's what I think the problem is. Interesting. I'll do a, I'll do a plug for John Burl at high adventure company right now. <laughs> People are like, well, how do Excuse I find me. a good one? Um, yeah. High adventure company, John Burl, Drew Burl out there. That's who I check. In I, with. uh, I, I'm going to withhold this guy's name for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we work through it. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get paid, then I will be sharing his name. Well, I mean, you want somebody else to, you know, yeah, how many people did you, up. in the, well, in, in the interim, how many people did you tell like, Hey, we were going on this muscle hunt. It's canceled or it's, it's postponed because of COVID, but we're going, here's our booking agent. Yeah. He's been awesome. And now that person does. Yeah. You want to know what they told them. me that the outfitter told me that 14 people were booked and they turned them all away, but us wow. because the, that booking agent hadn't had called them at the very end to say oh i've got all these people come they're like well we can't take them why we were the lucky ones mm. i don't know but i'm glad we were because of the instagram right yeah. there because yeah. of the social you reached out hit the right yep. person at the right time and we you were hit there the right person at the right time that's so, awesome but yeah so you gotta be careful about that i you mean you have to be yeah um and, and we're working through it we're uh we'll see what happens i suspect in the next 30 days i think we'll see our money yeah. uh, just based on some of the steps we're taking and, uh, and I don't think this guy wants to go down that road. So, yeah. Oh um, man. So we're holding That's out. So wild. And, and oh, it's, it's so unfortunate though. I feel so bad for other yeah, people that end up in that situation. You know, it's, you're, you're trusting. it's based on trust, you know, a it lot of it's is. word of mouth. And, and I've worked with, uh, booking agents in the past and they've been great. Now I've never worked with one internationally, mm. quite honestly, short of, uh, Mexico. That was my first international uh, hunt, uh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, well, yeah. uh, high adventure, even if someone's like, cause I get invited on quite a few things these days and, uh, you know, I will check with John Burrell at high adventure company and be like, Hey, make what's sure it's this? legit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause he's been around for so long and we're friends and he's done it. That's his been his business since college. And, uh, yeah, anything international, anything, anything, anywhere I try to do 
go through him. Yeah. Um, even if it's yeah. like, I don't need to, but I want him to get like his percentage. I try to do everything through him anyway, because they take, uh, they're, they're just so professional and we're partners in the, um, they do all the bookings for the Lanai hunting oh, operation nice. for Pineapple yep. Brothers. Um, cause we want people to have the, the best experience. So yeah. they book through high adventure company and then they go out to Lanai, hunt axis, uh, mouflon and, uh, stay at the four seasons. Well, so I will say bad. this because I've worked in the outfitting business a long time. Uh, not just for the Alaska Outfitter, but also in Montana for years. And uh, I booked a lot of hunts. It's important you find someone you trust. Mm -hmm. And once you find that person, then then you're good, like like mm -hmm. you're talking here. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, we don't need a booking agent to book our hunt in Greenland again because you can go direct. we're going to go direct, and that family is fantastic. Uh, the hunt was awesome. <clears throat> it was for, it was just barely right. We were supposed to, they're telling us like negative 30 degrees or so. So I've got John Barklow. I called him up. I'm like, Hey, uh, I need gear for like negative 30, negative 40 yeah. degrees. Do you have that? He's like, Oh man, I know exactly what you need. Just had a guy do a hunt just like this. I'll send you what you need. So he sent me a bunch of gear. Um, and, uh, I think it's called the blizzard maybe. Okay. set up but that was too warm we get there and it's showing like negative 20 or so the next day negative 15 that's the day we couldn't hunt the next day it was like 10 the day we hunted when i killed my muskox 48 wow i was in a t-shirt no kidding <laughs> it was that phenomenal. Wild. It was awesome. And what time of year were you there? When, this when was there? in uh, March, first week of March. Okay. So we're in Greenland, first week of March, but you're on four wheelers. You're driving out in these frozen bays on the ocean. Okay. And uh, just driving. They have concessions there. So, you know, certain people, the guides can hunt just their area. Okay. It took us about two hours to get out to our area. And similar to your experience on a four wheeler. On a four-wheeler okay. on the ocean. Okay. But we're passing muskox all over. And, of course, uh, I've never seen one. You're in like, that, is that a shooter? No. no I'm is like, that a shooter? No. I'm stopping at every single one because yeah. I want to look at them. Yeah. So you could tell the, the guide's like, hey, let's just get to our area. There's just as many muskox there. Mm. And uh, so we get there. As soon as we pull into their area, there's a muskox up on the bank. And the bank's about 10 feet above the ocean, maybe 15. Anyway, the muskox sees us, turns, and moves off. But. They don't really move that far unless you pressure them. Mm. So he's like, hey, let's sneak up there. I didn't get to see what it was. And I'm hunting with a bow. And uh, so we get up there. We crawl in. We're 40 yards from these things. And I look at them, and I'm like, hey, is that is that a good one? And kind of like you had on your experience with the bear, he's like, he throws out one of these. That's a good one for a bow. Oh, man. And I'm like, okay. Mm. And I wasn't 100% sold on it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've looked at pictures. I kind of have an idea in my mind yeah. what I think would be cool. Uh -huh. And uh, he throws one of those out. Yeah. So I'm staring at the muskox, and I've got an arrow knocked. I'm ready to rock. And I'm looking. He's broadside. And I'd look back at the guy, and I'd look at my friend. And then I'm like, would you shoot him with a rifle? He's like, no. I'm like, I don't want him. So... My buddy, I had drawn the straw to go first. There were three of us hunting. One of my friends, he says, okay, well, that was your turn. I'm going after that one. And there's a big one up on the hill uh, that he'd been glassing while I'm sneaking out onto this one to see what's going on. And he takes off after that thing, and he's got his bow in hand. 
and they get up there, they get busted. The muskox takes off and he grabs the rifle and just hammers this thing. It was <laughs> yeah. like 20 seconds into it, but it's big. It's a beautiful muskox. We take care of that. It's actually pretty interesting how they do it. So yeah. you and I, if we were to kill something that we had to pack back to something, I would quarter it out, right? Yeah. You're certainly not dragging it. Yeah. Well, the way they did it, um, well, on this one, we were lucky. But if they pack it out, they actually cut the thing and they'll skin it out completely and cut it in half. Okay. And carry the front half one way and they'll carry the back half. It's, I would never do it that way. Yeah. But. That's, that's how, how they, they do it. Do it, and that's how they've been doing it. Yeah, and it's crazy. Yeah, and that's what I love about hunting internationally is that you get to see all those different customs across cultures and uh, to see how they do things differently. Exactly. Even different countries in Africa, certainly different countries in Europe, um, have all these have different hunting traditions. And uh, so to, to to hear that the way is, they would skin it so even was different than what I would do if it was just me hunting. Yeah, like it was pretty cool. But uh, for my particular story. Um, after that's all done, we go down the road, uh, we get out of that fjord and hit a trail and we're cruising along and there's muskox more or less bedded down mm. in the trail. Mm. And, uh, so we sneak in on them with the bow and there's one other buddy of ours who is only hunting with a rifle. Well, there's two big muskox, two nice ones, one significantly bigger than the other. That's what I wanted to go for. In the end, we sneak in, and and the second choice, if you will, works his way to me. Mm. Um, he gets to 70 yards, and uh, and I'm like, oh, that's too far. It's pretty windy. Mm. So I start sneaking in. I bust him. He doesn't know what he's what's going on. He just knows something's there, so he takes off running. So I just laid down in this brush. 30 minutes later, he mills around a little bit, beds down. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I belly crawled in to 53 yards, and I just sat behind a bush. He stands up, starts feeding again, and that was it, man. Came to full draw, let her rip. It was a perfect shot. Didn't even hit a bone. Zipped right through him, and he ran 25 yards and and was dispatched. That was it. He was done. I'm pumped out of my mind, right? And, uh, well, all this is going down, this other big one that I, I mean, he's a lot bigger. He stands up wondering what's going on and he starts milling around trying to figure out what's up. And he, my buddy hammered him. So we killed all three muskox in one day. Wow. That now, is, how long was the hunt supposed to be? Three or, days. It was three days. Okay. Three days. So, um, it, uh, I wouldn't have held out. I wouldn't yeah. have been like, I'm not shooting that. I want the biggest one on the right. mountain. It didn't matter. I was just excited to be there and experience it all. Yeah. But we were done in three days. Now, granted we had lost a day yeah, yeah. to, the payment issue. Right. Um, although she did say, if you need a third day, we'll give it to you anyway. So that was awful nice of them. Um, but what we ended up doing is we went back and booked a tour with one of the local groups there to take us out to the glacier, to the ice Mm. cap. And you go to the, it's called Russell glacier. Holy cow. Beautiful. Wow. Oh my heck. It was incredible. And I've seen glaciers before, but there was just something for me to be like, I'm at the edge of the ice cap of Greenland. That's cool. And so that by itself was just an incredible experience. Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union is here to help military members and their families tackle home ownership during this high rate market. With their new no refi rate drop option, if you buy your next home now and mortgage rates drop later, you could lower your rate by paying a low fee instead of refinancing and paying thousands in closing costs. 
They offer mortgage options with zero down payment, so you don't need to wait years to save. Also, planning any travel this summer? Navy Federal Flagship Credit Card treats members to our highest rewards and premium benefits. Flagship makes it easy to rack up rewards with higher points on travel, including everything from tolls to terminals. Earn a bonus 40,000 points when you spend 4,000 in the first 90 days. Plus, enjoy a free year of Amazon Prime. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Federally insured by NCUA, membership required, equal housing lender. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval and eligibility requirements. Open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. As of 5-1-2023, the rates for flagship are 14.74% to 18% based on credit worthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs, a $49 annual fee for Visa Signature Flagship Rewards. NavyFederal.org. And you want to go back there with your, your family next? I'm going back. I came home. I told my wife. I'm like, I know I told you this was once in a lifetime, but it is definitely two in a lifetime. Yeah. And I want to take you oh. and the kids. She would love to go. My wife loves to hunt yeah. too, but she also just loves the adventure. Right. Um, so we're going to go back. Um, we're going to go in the fall this time and do caribou muskox. Mm. So, and it's a good thing to do to take my kids. Um they, my kids love it and I love traveling with them. Yeah. And I had so much fun. Like we hung out That's in cool. Copenhagen too. And you know how you said you take a day or two in each place and check it out. And we did that and it was nice. phenomenal. Man. But if anyone can get out there and do it, I highly recommend yeah. that, uh, you get out and do oh, this on. Yeah. On the, on the list for sure. That is awesome. And where do you stay when you were there? So there's a hotel right there. I don't know if, I mean, yeah, it's a hotel right there at the airport. Mm. Um, however, uh, they do have camps set up that we were going to go to later on, uh, but we were done, mm -hmm. you know, after three days or after okay. the one day with all three that we didn't go to that, but they have camps. So when we go back, we're actually going to the camps because the ocean's going to be okay. not frozen. Yeah. And so we go out to their camps that they have set up. Okay. And uh, so... Uh, he can fit it's, and they're pretty nice camps. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's not a terribly, if you're looking for a fun international hunt, that's not terribly expensive. That would be one. Okay. Yeah. It's not crazy. Man, that's, yeah, that is definitely on the list. My buddy here, when you walk into his house, uh, here in, in park city, you walk in, that's the first thing you see is a, is a full body mount of muskox. I, uh, I, that I, it's ready to be full body mounted. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily have somewhere to put it. I'm just Looking around in here. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking, thinking right there behind you. Exactly. Oh. So I have a, I have an office and, um, so I think it'll probably go in there unless nice. I can convince, we have two pianos in our front room cause my oh, son's wow. a phenomenal piano player. Wow. But if I could convince him to move one of those pianos. <laughs> Why does he have two? Are they different, uh, for different things? But, yeah. So one is my wife's grandma's piano. Oh, wow. And then the other one is just a fancy electric piano. Okay. Um, so he does different things with that. And the keys are weighted differently. So depending on what he's working on, he works heavier key. I don't know. Okay. This, this, I don't know all the answers to it, but yeah. Um, he had his keyboard in there too. And his mom told him, look, this is too many pianos. Three, three is too many. Room. Yeah. <laughs> so he had to move cool. that. 
but uh, he, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I, I'm a huge fan of the piano. I always have been. And for me, like yesterday, I got home from being on the road for two weeks. And uh, I'm just like, dude, can you play for me for a bit? I'm just going to sit here. I'm, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm it's just cool. going to enjoy some music. And he'd jam on the piano. Yeah. I love it. Man. So two pianos is fine. Five yeah. is fine. I'm just going to lay there and listen to it anyway. Oh, so perfect. yeah, it's pretty cool, but it yeah. could be a muskox, you know, there's a yeah. black bear in there. Oh, nice. Okay. I've only, I've only ever uh, killed one black bear. Um, and, uh, that's in the front room. So nice. why not? A, and a couple axis deer in there and why not add a muskox? You know, I think it needs a muskox. It, it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense. You listen to me. in Monica. Makes sense. I mean, what boat did you bring your PSE? What did you do? So I shoot a PSE right now. Uh, the Mach 34. Okay. That's what I used on that muskox hunt. And dude, that thing is, first nice. of all, it weighs nothing. Okay. Um, and I love shooting that bow. Nice. It is super quiet, super dead in the hand for me. Um, I love the weight of it, especially for packing in. I mean, it mm. doesn't weigh hardly anything. Like I, it's, mm -hmm. it's a significant, a couple pounds is a significant difference when you're holding it in your hand like that. Yeah. Um, I've really enjoyed it. And that's the first time I've ever shot a PSE. Okay. I'd never shot one before. Cause you had the prime going for, a I while. was, I've been shooting a prime for, I mean, well, it's our 11 year anniversary. So, so, so 11 the years since yeah. the beginning. Yeah. That's about the time I got my prime, I think was back then. Anyway. Yeah. I love that thing. I am a huge fan of Prime. They just didn't have a left-hander available. Mm -hmm. I did still order one. I think everybody needs two bows. Yeah, I agree. You never <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, though, right? What if I've ran over my bow before? Oh. oh. Not only that, I my oh. buddy's bow was strapped. <laughs> this is bad. We were on our way up uh, here in Utah to hunt mule deer, and he strapped it on the four-wheeler, and uh, we're rallying because we're late. And it had bounced loose. Mm. The tire catches the mm. string, rips the bow up in, slices the string in two, right? oh, just tears it. Man. So that's why I say everybody needs two bows. I agree with you. I agree so with you. Yeah. I'll have that PSE and I will have that Prime. Um, but I have heard the Prime is like the Revex is the, the okay. new model. That's the new one. I've heard it is the best model yet. Oh, nice. Out nice. of like everything they've done. I was a huge fan of the Rise. That was my favorite bow forever. That's okay. six or seven years ago. And this one's supposed to shoot better than that ever oh, nice. did. What was mine? The Prime Alloy? Is that right? What? Could have been. Yeah, that would have been. About that time. Yeah, yeah. About that time. Yep. I love that thing. I love, uh, that was amazing. I know brother on the wall right there. So that's an old Hoyt from the 80s that oh, yeah. uh, Isaac Allman gave me. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it says Rambo on it. So it's uh Wait, yeah. was it the Rambo model? It's not the Rambo one from the show, but it's a, a Hoyt Rambo that thing that they sold says Rambo yeah. because Hoyt was the uh the one that, that built that and uh and built the Rambo bow. So yeah, uh, Isaac gave me that, so I put it on the wall there. It's just uh it's just awesome. So that is yeah. awesome. So how long have you been shooting a bow then? So I was a little kid. Really? Yeah. So I was uh, probably five. I think I have pictures of me at five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
and I'd always, uh, I always had a bow. I've never not had one. That's um, awesome. didn't necessarily back then, you know, how you're supposed to get instruction. You, you, you don't know. You're just kind of like doing what like the YMCA person tells you to type a thing. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, what yeah, you yeah. see in the movie, which is on Robin hood or whatever. Um, but, uh, get a new, a new bow as I kind of grew, uh, I outgrew one and into another. And then, uh, just climb up on our roof of our house and kind of <laughs> shoot down at hay bales. Cause back then, you know, the arrows wouldn't go right yeah. through. Uh, now they certainly do. If you have a bow, like, you know, any of these, but, uh, but yeah, I always had a, a bow set up and I was always climbing around trying to get angles on things yeah. just because of what I saw really in the movies though. Yeah. You know, absolutely. so I was just always, uh, always had a bow and where, um, I, yeah. where did you grow up in Northern California in Northern California? Okay. Yeah. So we had some, uh, some local archery shops, um, one in particular that, uh, that I loved to go to, but, um, but yeah, I loved, uh, I loved shooting and loved doing those things when Rambo came out, that was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, but I'd been shooting for 10 years prior. I mean, Rambo yeah. came out in 1985, Rambo first blood part two, uh, 1985, you know, uh, so I'd already, I already still, I had a bow already. Um, and it was always, and was always so shooting. Did you fantasize about the exploding tips too then? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, how cool is that? We tried to build <laughs> one, uh, with Richard Ryan, black rifle coffee. Um, he's done it before and he, it's on, I think it's on YouTube on his YouTube channel. And, uh, so he has a great shot of him building it and shooting it and th- things blowing up and so we tried to do it again and for some reason when I, I came out there and we were, we were trying to get it all set up and st- was missing some piece some something yeah. wasn't working so we still have uh, it's still on our schedule to do <laughs> one awesome. and uh, yeah so but he built it just like the just like the movie and uh, but yeah it's super super fun so um, so yeah I always had a bow and now I have multiple bows and the kids downstairs all have there but I like them around here multiple bows not just because uh, you know origin now has their Raptor camo on yeah. the the Hoyt. Um, and then I have another one over there with the Sitka on there, but it's, uh, it, I can have them in different strategic locations around the house right. because as you set up the course out here there, uh, I could just be walking by a door over here and want to sling one <laughs> and I go like, Oh wait, the bow's over in the other, you know, up here yeah. and I have to run to the podcast studio to get the bow. So that's not a problem anymore. So now I just pick up the bow that happens to be there and let one fly. Your office actually, uh, that is your office upstairs. Right? That yeah. That's the, the uh, one target yeah. uh, feeding, yeah, that's feeding the, uh, dough. One of the, yeah, I have a couple offices, one just to write. So it's separate from the part okay. where I do like any business stuff or anything else, just because I can have that in my mind, know that when I walk into that one, I'm only writing, nothing yeah. else is happening in there. Uh, this one, I might have a phone call, might have an interview, might have, you know, whatever else in the other one. So the one, the larger one's like almost like a conference room. So I can walk out on the balcony and we have three, there's three out here yeah. you can hit. No, no, there's four. Cause I can go across. The, you can go across. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, I can go across. I can hit four from there. And if I wanted to hit some of the regular, not the 3d targets, but just the, uh, the other the ones blocks. out there, the matrix, I've got matrix blocks out there or whatever they call their, you know, their, yeah. that shape. Um, uh, I have two or three of those out there too. So I could probably one, two, three, four, five, I could probably hit six or seven. That's that. awesome. Yeah. So which office is that then that we're referring to? Is that that's the writing like, office? Or no, is that that's the, the, that's like the a business. It was a conference room for the person who, uh, who had this, uh, house before. But, uh, for me, that's like the business office. It's a pretty so. sweet setup up there. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Bad. What, uh, I, I do have a question when it comes to writing because you're cranking out some books, but you're also cranking out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like what, when you go into this, you're like, okay, I need to write uh, a book. Um, I have to have it done in 
Do you set right? a timeline? Yeah, well, there's deadlines from Simon and Schuster. Okay, um, but uh, this time, like this book is 139,000 words, which is the longest of the books to date. Oh, okay. But I didn't start out thinking that it was going to be that long. Um, it's going to take however long it takes. It's going to be however long it's going to be to make it the best story possible. And if I have to push deadlines or push a publication date, even I will do that because people are trusting me with time. They're never going to get back. So that product, right. that book, that story has to be the best that it can possibly be. Um, so it's never about me getting to, oh, 100,000 words, better wrap this up. Like never. <laughs> yeah. It's just all about the story. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, but have, have this being my sixth, I thought, okay, I've done this five times before and here's my outline. I have my executive summary over here. Okay, I think this is going to be about 115, 120,000 words. And then I just blew by 115, blew by 120, blew by 130, blew by 135, ended up being 139,000 words just Unreal. to make it the best story that it could uh, it could be, which meant that I, I pushed some deadlines uh, yeah. a little bit, um, but publication date stayed the same, but I wouldn't have a problem. Uh, I'd never sacrifice quality just to hit that publication date. Right, um, right. And uh, so anyway, that's that's how this one turned out. Uh, but I'm glad, then looking back, I really did have to cancel that uh, Alaska hunt because that <laughs> yeah. was in, what, August, I guess it was, or September, I forget now. But uh, uh, yeah, I was still, I was working how, on this for quite a while. How do you, I, how many words have you written in those six books? If that's 139, I mean, you're talking. I should add it all up. The like, <clears> first one I'd say was probably 110 I want to say 111, maybe. Um, so we're talking 700,000 words. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, more. More. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's all up there just. Yeah. Do you, I, it, maybe this question's um, not allowed to be answered or you just don't know the answer, but do you know, like, how things are going to end? No, I'm keeping it, uh, I'm keeping it open. Like, I okay. wouldn't want to. I don't have a set number of books. You don't books. want it to be done prematurely. Well, I don't I, well, yeah, I don't have a set number of books that I want to do or I don't have an end in mind for okay. my character. Um, but I very intentionally have put characters into the story that are supporting characters that also are multi-generational. So okay. I can go back and the Hastings family, I can go back to World Absolutely. War II, I can go back to the, the Bush Wars in, in Africa um, and uh, I can explore that side. I can go back to James Reese's dad, which I, I talk about him quite a bit in uh, in this latest novel, but I can go back to Vietnam. I can go into the 70s and 80s with what he was doing yeah. there. I can go to Reese's grandfather and go back to World War II time frame and post-World War II. Are you revealing some awesome info right now? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I talked about this too much before. Um, but, but I did that very intentionally yeah, so that I wouldn't absolutely. all of a sudden like, Oh, I'm at book 12. Oh, I'm not sure where to go next. Oh, I need to give my main character a grandfather that had an interesting life right. in world war two yeah, yeah, so yeah. I can go do that. So, uh, so I, I very intentionally already wove those things in as, uh, those people in as supporting characters that, uh, essentially give Reese, give my main character, uh, the tools that he needs to solve problems through wisdom and through their past experience, yeah, yeah. which in just happens to also get readers saying, Oh man, I wish you'd write. Well, so Something that was going to be my next question is, and I'm in the same boat, right? Because I've read all your books. Oh, thank you. Do you, do you have a lot of people saying, Hey, it would be awesome to know backstory on this or that? Or yep. Yeah, I get it almost daily. I would say <laughs> that's and, fantastic uh, for this uh, for this next season of the Terminalist. It's a spinoff, so we're doing a spinoff series next uh, with Taylor Kitsch's character Ben Edwards, and it's an origin yeah. prequel story. So going back to his uh, time in the SEAL teams and how he transitions into the CIA and kind of how he turns bad type of a thing. Yeah, uh, Chris is in three, which of was those. really sad, by the way. 
Yeah, well, this is one of the ones that I thought uh, one of the characters that was much more fully developed, um, both on the page and then when Taylor took it to the next level with how he portrayed the character on screen. Uh, that was one of the ones that was much more fully developed for the show than it was in the book. Than gotcha. the character was in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, Taylor is amazing. It was a fan favorite character, and then so it just made sense to do a uh, spinoff. And I was thinking about spinoffs anyway, and I actually came back from the premiere of the show last June. We had it in LA in June, and then it actually dropped on July 1st. But I came home, and for some reason, my wife and the kids were gone for the day, and I can't even remember why they were not here. But I woke up the next morning after coming back from LA, and I just got up, and I started writing. And oh. the reason it sticks with me is because I was in a chair that I would not normally sit in, because it's a high traffic area in the house yeah, with yeah, yeah, with yeah. Uh, three kids, dog, my wife, everything. And uh, so I was in that chair. That's why it stands out for me. And I just stayed in that chair that I normally wouldn't sit in just because uh, it, it's a high traffic area and a lot of interruptions. But I wrote from the second I woke up until really late into the night. And wow. I wrote a spinoff. And um, it's, uh, I won't say what it was, but I wrote a spinoff, wrote all the episodes out, uh, eight episodes. And, uh, and then... I was like, okay, this, this is awesome. Sent it to the showrunner and he loved it. And then uh, a day later, two days later, maybe a week later, whatever it was, same time frame, um, Chris calls, Chris Pratt calls and, and he's like, Hey man, um, I have an idea for a spinoff. And, uh, and he, he pitched me the, the, um, uh, the Ben Edwards story. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Let's do it. Cause mine was not that. Yeah. Mine was not that. And of course, thinking of it now, it, it makes the most sense. And Chris is so smart. Oh, and he's such a great guy. Um, but he's really in tune with all of that sort of a thing where I'm just thinking like a, a story. He's like, I'm sure he was thinking, well, we have Taylor. Taylor is incredible. Taylor brought so much to this role and it makes so much sense to do a spinoff yeah. based on that character. People are interested in it. Um, you know, why would you do one that wasn't even introduced in the show? Uh, right. that's, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, so, so I was like, yeah, oh, fantastic. Amazing. And, and he called Taylor and, uh, the rest of the crew and everybody of course is on board. And then we all got together and wrote a little something out and pitched Amazon on it all together and they loved it. And, uh, next thing you know, we're off to the races, but, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. but now it's now a little writer strike is going on. So, uh, um, depending on how long that is, it might push, uh, cause it's pencils down now, uh, since the writer strike, but, uh, what exactly does that mean on the, <clears throat> on the writer strike? Is it, they're all part of a union or yeah. okay. the, uh, the writer's guild of America, the WGA. And, uh, I'm not a member of it yet. I think I would be after this one cause I'm writing the finale. So you have to do certain things kind of to come to be oh, a part of it. Okay. Um, so I'm not, not part of it now, but I'm still, still pencils down on it. Um, you know, I have a respect for what they're, what okay. they're doing. That's what I was going to ask. You're also pencils down, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. I'm just focused on book seven and I have a yeah. nonfiction book on the 1983 Beirut barracks bombing. That's, I saw uh, you announced out. that the other yeah. day. Did you not on Instagram? Yeah, maybe? I did that. And it's uh, coming out in a year and a half. So, so, mm -hmm. uh, working on that with a historian and Pulitzer prize finalist, James Scott, who is absolutely amazing. And, uh, so that's, uh, slated for a fall 2024 drop. Dude, how do you keep it all together? Seriously? See, I, <laughs> there's certain moments in my life where I'm like, I'm busy. Yeah. Like I I'll be around. And I'm like, no, I don't have an extra second. I am busy. And then I come up here every time I talk <laughs> to you over the last couple of years, I'm not that busy. <laughs> well, I mean, we're all like, busy. How the you know, hell do you do this? I mean, we're all, I have, a, I have a strategic plan. And, uh, you know, you want to approach that plan. Well, first of all, I've done, I so, feel so fortunate that I got to do the two things I wanted to do with my life, which were be a Navy SEAL, serve my country in uniform in combat and write thrillers and have those thrillers hit number one on the New York Times list and have them turn yeah. into a, a show. So, so like that, my goals for life, I 
did. You made it. And I feel very, so now it's about doing better at yeah. all these things yeah. um, and expanding that readership and that audience and, um, and providing for our son who needs a lifetime of full-time care with his special needs. So that's a, that's the mission. Yeah. Uh, my passion is the writing. I bring those things together and that's my, my purpose going forward. But uh, as part of that plan, you know, I'm, I didn't just wake up one day and decide I wanted to be a writer or an author. I've been a student of the genre from the fan perspective since as long as I can remember. Yeah. So as part of that plan, uh, looking at what Tom Clancy did in the 80s, and that was, mm-hmm. he wrote fiction. And then in the 90s, he started doing some nonfiction. And there were books like uh, Aircraft Carrier, Tank, Air Wing, like things like that. And he'd bring in yeah. a subject matter expert to write those uh, with him. Um, so he, he moved into that nonfiction space. So uh, for me, just growing up, looking at that, reading those books, it's just very natural for me to think in those terms and uh, wanting to write nonfiction as a student of history, a student of warfare yeah. for my entire life. Um, I always knew I wanted to write some things on terrorism specifically. And uh, so I wrote out a bunch of different uh, terrorist events that were impactful, not just to me growing up during a time in my uh, life that, uh, that, that it would have been because I knew I was going to join the military and I'm seeing the Beirut barracks bombing. I'm seeing TWA eight, four, seven. I'm seeing Achille Laurel, Pan Am one Oh three, uh, multiple terrorist attacks in Europe in, uh, nightclubs and cafes in the eighties, uh, airports. And, uh, so I knew I was always going to go into that nonfiction side of writing, um, uh, but not, uh, here's what I did in the SEAL teams type of thing. Right. There's, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. plenty of books like that. And I uh, did nothing compared to so many guys out there that have done so much more than I could ever have hoped to have done in the SEAL teams. Um, but I wanted to look at uh, these terrorist events and maybe look at them in a different way. And um, meaning I wanted to understand what the enemy was trying to accomplish with these. Okay. And did they? Because um, typically what the enemy is doing is they'll have the outcome they want and then plan. Um, rather than us, well, like, hey, we're going to get so-and-so. Uh, we have the trigger. Let's go. We grab them, kick in the door, whatever. Maybe there's a firefight, maybe not. And then we have them back. And then the PR machine, the, the public affairs right. officer, needs to spin it to a populace or to um, uh, people back home that are just curious yeah. about the new, whatever it might be. But we didn't plan. We plan the opposite way that the enemy does. Uh, we don't think of the outcome first rather than just taking somebody off a board who's going to in turn lead us to somebody else through interrogation or if he's yeah. killed on target, you know, he's just now he gets the X. Um, so it's a, it's anyway, I wanted to bring that enemy's perspective to it. And then for this case in particular, for the 1983 Beirut barracks bombing, there's newly declassified documents from the Reagan white house that go into what was happening in the oval office mm-hmm. at that time, who was advocating to keep, um, uh, keep Marines on amphib ships and who was advocating that they should come ashore in Beirut. And uh, so all that's happening in April of 83, we had the U.S. Embassy bombing in Beirut, Lebanon. Um, So that leads through the summer and then to October where we have the the Marine Beirut barracks bombing where they lost more Marines in a single day than they've lost since Iwo Jima in World War II. Um, Mm. And then there's an ending. There's a a very interesting um, uh, ending to the story uh, in that, well, on the foreign policy implications that continue to loom today, but uh, the, and uh, the planner of the attack who ended up being the number two in Hezbollah, number one of their militant wing is killed in Damascus, Syria in 2008. So over 20 years after the attack um, and uh, no intelligence service has ever um, claimed responsibility for that oh, interesting. Uh, targeted assassination. And uh, so there's an investigative journalism side to it as well, trying yeah. to figure out what happened there. So, so all those elements uh, made sense to start with that one. If I'm going to do multiple, of these books and that's called targeted the uh, 1983 yeah, I saw bombing. that's <clears throat> your your uh social media you post a lot on terrorists like mm-hmm. 
this day, whatever yep. years ago, this happened. Right. And, uh, but I still am like, I'm in awe of how you can do it all. No. Like I, it's busy. I, you've got a hell of a team behind you for sure. Right. Well, I mean, now I have including your wife. Yes. The, my wife and kids, that was the, uh, that was the team. Um, luckily my, uh, my dear friend Garrett Bray knows how to make websites and things like that. Like those things <laughs> yeah. that I can't, can't do. Yeah. So really from the beginning, it was, uh, Garrett doing the, anything technical, like making a, a graphic. <laughs> yeah. That's Garrett. Like I don't, so I don't do that. Yeah. So I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to, I don't know how to post a blog. I know how to write a blog. I don't know how to, how to, how to post a blog. Um, so that's, so really the team from the beginning is my, my wife packaging merch in our kitchen yeah. and sending that stuff out and, uh, Garrett doing anything technical, um, and, uh, and me doing everything else from posting and then putting all those things together, uh, engaging, doing all that, writing the books, figuring out the strategic plan, thinking those things through, um, getting ready for launch, thinking about like these boxes right here, which um, thank you for that. Oh, of course. Oh, awesome. my, oh, my pleasure. No, thank you for, for everything. Um, but doing that, cause I hadn't seen an author do that before. And, uh, I thought, okay, when you, when let's say Red Bull launches a new drink or let's say Apple launches a new iPhone, it doesn't come in like a manila envelope that's taped up with some, right. some regular like packaging tape and, uh, and just comes to you and you're like, who's this from? And you open it up and Oh, it's my new iPhone. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not what they do. It's an event. Yeah, I mean, they have a convention, fair. you know, they, they have the CEO on stage, they do the thing, it pops up behind them and it comes in a box and as much thought has gone into that box to the slight color of white right. on that box as went in to the technical components inside the phone doing what it right. does. There's as much thought into any part of that launch uh, from the video, from how it's going to be presented on a website, how it's going to go on social media, the box that it comes in, how it's going to be wrapped, the store that it's in. All those things have the same amount of thought have gone into them. Yeah. So I thought, well, why has no author ever done that before? And uh, so that's where the I, that's where the the books in these packages came from. I think from. it's awesome. And uh, it first started with the cardboard one. So yep. the True Believer and Savage Son came in different cardboard ones that were all designed and had weapons from the from the story in there. And and then I was like, well, I got to step it up. Um, now because, uh, well, just got to evolve. And so hence the, the gun cases and, uh, and I just, think it's awesome. You know, always trying to evolve and, and do it better. So that's where that came I'll from. I'll tell you one of, uh, I was talking to, it may have been my brother. Uh, he's, he's read your books, um, non hunter, but we we're just having a discussion cause it's been 11 years since total archery challenge started. And we're talking about the ups and downs, um, you know, just like you do sitting around chatting, whatever, having dinner. And, uh, he said, what, what's one of your, what's one of the coolest things that's happened? And this is no lie. Um, I'm not blowing smoke up your dress here. <laughs> the coolest thing for me has been that we were in your book. Oh man. Isn't so cool. Funny. In like Savage Son. Yeah. The third one. It, um, my wife, uh, took the book. So there's a picture of the cover of the book. Um, and then there's a picture of the, that page where we're on and it's circled or whatever. Cause you sent me, there's a word for it. When you sent me a book, that's not published. Oh, a yet. galley. You sent galley. me that, right? Yeah. It's like a rough draft almost. Yeah. A rough draft book. So anyway, um, that's i uh, I'm not kidding you that to me oh, because everything else that happens can happen to anybody doing an archery event or whatever for me. But for that to be, in a book and we're not talking about just 
a book that's no one's heard of that. I mean, like you said, we're New York times bestseller book that you're pumping out there and old total archery challenges in there. I'm not kidding you. It makes me smile. Oh, cool. So many people are reading these books. I can't tell you how many people have reached out and said, dude, and then, or they're listening to the audio file Mm -hmm. and they'll send, you know, they'll email us a segment of that. Oh, nice. I just finished this and whatever. Right. So, uh, that has been one of the coolest things oh, for Total Archery Challenge. Oh, that's in my so mind. awesome. And it's so funny how it happened, too, because it was just like a. we came to your other house yeah. there in Park City. Had a um, little wild game dinner out yeah, there. We had the wild game dinner. You and I chat. You're busy. There's 50 people there to, that you're hosting. And uh, we chat for a bit. Oh, yeah, I like the event. I don't know, whatever. Okay, thanks. Yeah, the the bear meat's good. Whatever. It was good. It was phenomenal. <laughs> and but we're leaving, and you're like, you're like, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? This is literally a 30 second discussion. You know what I'm gonna do? It says in my book, he does 3D shoots. I'm putting total archery challenge in there. You okay with that? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Oh man. And so that was it. Shook hands. Hey, thank you so much. Adios. And we leave. Never hear about it again. And I'm just like. <laughs> I'm not thinking this is going to happen. The idea is cool. And then you text me or called me or something. And you're like, hey, what's your address? I want to send you this. And it was that galley copy or whatever. Nice. And I am not kidding you. I took a picture of that and I sent it to everybody I knew in my family. I'm like, you guys, is this not the coolest thing you've ever seen? Oh, man. Awesome. So there you go. Favorite thing in Total Archery Challenge. Oh, man. That's one of them. So I appreciate that. It's been awesome for us. In Total Archery Challenge and even outside of people who know us who are reading the book. So, but oh. that was by far one of my favorite moments. And it's on the wall in the office. Oh, man, that is too cool. Yeah, that is too cool. Rad. Thank you. No, oh, that, no, thank you. You're the one that wrote it. Oh, I was man. just stoked to be in there. Oh, too cool. No, I love doing doing that sort of thing. Um, you know, because it, it, makes sense. You know, you can help out uh, a friend with a company or knife company or whatever. And it's something that I like my character would use. Um, so that's why I get very specific with the gears that I'm a, I'm a gear yeah. guy and, uh, you know, archery has been so beneficial to so many veterans, um, yes. coming back because it, it, it connects you with people who are in turn, I'd say connected to the earth in a more, uh, kind of fundamental way than maybe people who don't pick up a bow. Yeah. Um, but it's just, there's something about this ring primal about yeah. it. Um, and my main character is a, a student of warfare, which is why I chose the, the tomahawk is kind of to represent him. And then it's also my, my logo, the Winkler tomahawk. So it's a weapon with ancient origins, but made today using modern techniques by Daniel Winkler, Winkler knives. And, uh, and it's really cool looking. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. so I thought, you know, but, I, but, but the bow has helped so many veterans, so many guys getting into it now and they probably wouldn't have without social media. It's one of the benefits of social media is, uh, that you can do some good with it. Yes. You more often than not, I think it's weaponized to divide, but, uh, you know, that's by some very powerful entities out there that benefit from it, like a politician trying to galvanize a base or whatever. But, um, but so many, uh, veterans, I think have found out about total archery challenge and archery through on social media and picked up a bow or gone. And probably so many, we don't even know about who just like see it, who never engage, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, they just kind of look every, you know, whatever. And they went to a local archery shop. They picked up a bow and it's like, it's helped them. Yes. Um, and black rifle coffee did that veteran shoot where we got to meet all those incredible veterans, um, out there that, uh, were dealing with the physical and, uh, emotional trauma of the battlefield. And to see those guys like shooting with their teeth, 
Yes. Like, you know, amazing. Lopez. Yeah. 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 Jonathan Lopez out there rocking it like that. And or uh, Caleb with Caleb, his no, no legs. legs. Yeah. We got uh, Clint trial out there. I mean, legendary special operator um, out there. Same thing. Just crushing it. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's so humbling, but it's helped so many people. Not only on that side, uh, there's a friend of mine. He was, I was talking to him uh, here about a year ago. Uh, a friend of his is their son is very autistic. Mm. Um, functioning but it's it's bad mm. uh communications hard things like that uh, and uh he gave them a bow again mm -hmm. he's he's a high function he can do mm -hmm. things he just struggles on other things mm -hmm. and um they they got this kid shooting a bow um and not only is he shooting the bow he's relaxed when he's doing it mm -hmm. And so there is a magic to whatever's happening there uh, when you are focusing mm. on the shot and you can push everything else out. Um, the bow is a, whether you hunt or not, mm. that doesn't matter. Right. The bow does do something for you with your brain to help you relax, push things away, focus, and, uh, and, just makes things better for that maybe maybe just that moment yeah where you can block it all out oh yeah there are very few things in life i found that give you the same kind of a sense that you're not thinking about other things yeah. um that require you to be fully in the moment like when you're on the edge of a about to step off the ramp and uh and do a, a jump a skydive free fall um like that's one you're not yeah. thinking of much else <laughs> you're like like you're going you have a you yeah. know you're, you're thinking about your procedures uh, but you're in it you're in it um top of a rapid like on a, in a kayak as you're about to drop in like mm -hmm. you're not thinking about anything else you're thinking about that rapid you're thinking about dropping yeah. into that thing full focus so yeah full focus um i'm guessing it would be the same with base jumping but i've never done that and i will never do that um but uh but same thing with archery i mean you're out there you know even if we just grab these bows and go out here and sling a couple arrows uh like we won't be anywhere else we'll be like right in that shot yeah um and so there are very few things in life i've found that uh that force you to be right there like when i get into that zone on the story like same thing i'm only in that story yeah. but with an interruption i can very easily be taken out of it um you know when you're on that ramp like nothing's taking you out of that when you're about to right. about to jump unless the jump master all of a sudden the light goes red or it pulls you <laughs> yeah. back or something um but same thing with the with the bow like uh like you are all in it you're nowhere else yeah. i think that's uh there are very few things in life that uh that give you that these days and it the uh, we you know our tagline for total archery challenge is life it's better with a bow I and there's it. three dots there right life dot 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 it's better with a bow. Mm. Um, and the reason we did that is what we're talking about now is those three dots are like, that's where you say you're like life and you're pausing about it. Like it's a chance to reflect mm. and you're like, yeah, it's better with a bow. Yeah. And here's why. And there's a, everyone has a different reason, right? Could be the camaraderie, whatever. Could be the ability to focus. Um, you've mentioned that black rifle coffee, veteran adaptive shoot that we've mm -hmm. done uh for a few years um that watching that happen is another reason where you can sit back and say yeah life's better with a bow mm -hmm. um so i'm for me now that i've done it this is my business this is this is my living this is mm -hmm. what's what's paying for what i have right and uh so life for me has many reasons it's better with a bow and one of them, it's my living, but the people we meet, you and I, we wouldn't have met otherwise. Yes. 
Like yeah. if I didn't have total archery challenge, then, uh, I believe it was Sloan Brown, right? Yeah. I yeah. think it was. Sloan, so yeah. I believe Sloan was like, Hey, why don't you come to dinner with me tonight? We're going to Jack cars. Um, so there's a lot of things that have happened over that time frame, but in the end, all that set aside, when you draw your bow back and you can push out whatever frustrations for the day have happened mm-hmm. and you're focused, the, the periphery is gone. Yeah. You are looking through the peep mm-hmm. focused on one thing and, uh, and that changes a lot of things. So the one thing I would say to anyone who's listening, like if you don't shoot a bow, you should give it a shot. Yeah. I guess that works saying give it a shot too. Yeah, but it does. It anyway, it's because of, and I'm not, you and I, we're not talking about hunting anymore. We're talking a hundred percent shooting the bow. You can do it in your backyard in most places. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there are benefits there that you won't be able to get in your backyard. If you like shooting a gun, for example, mm-hmm. you love planking. Well, you're not going to be able to do that in your backyard for yeah. most of us. So this is a, a, a place to, even if you only have 10 minutes, you can shoot five, six arrows. Uh, like you said, you might be walking by, you don't have time to go back upstairs and grab your bow. So you got a couple bows placed around, like you've got 30 seconds to fling an arrow. Yeah. There's that one moment of like, oh, yeah. Okay. Now back to work. Yeah. So, uh, I, I tell everyone, I'm like, look, man, this is the bow has magical powers for helping you focus, put away some of the garbage for the day that we all Mm -hmm. deal with and just allow you to take in those slow breaths and relax like meditation. It's a, it's a meditation. It really is. You'll hear that from a lot of those veterans. Zen and the art of archery. I mean, yeah, I read that back in probably seventh grade. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful tool. Um, And I think a lot of that is the reason you've seen it grow so much is Mm -hmm. people are recognizing that. And it's something they can do, a form of meditation they can do um, right in their own backyard. Yep, no, exactly. And this is one of the, once again, it's one of the places that social media helps out because if, uh, let's say, 30 years ago, you wanted to give it a shot, um, well, you had to take a little, little more effort to yes, kind of just kind of to, to put your toe in. Um, now you just pull out your phone and it's right there and you put your yes. toe in that way, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and there's a million people out there who want to help you. I mean, John Dudley, one of the things I've always liked, you can learn everything you want from him for free on YouTube. Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there doing things like that. Yeah. yeah so I still love my knock to it release. I love that one. I, and, uh, if I, maybe I started with the silverback, maybe I would have stuck with the silverback, but I love that, uh, that, uh, knock to it just because it is that thumb right there. And that's when I started with, so I just keep stick with that one. I just um, got it. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even pulled a bow back with okay. it. I literally just got it. I love it. Um, and Texas, I haven't had a chance to shoot since Texas. I got it at the event and I'm excited to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think what you go to grab one, I mean, John might say something different, but, uh, when you want to, if you get used to one and then you switch over to the other, uh, it's probably a little more difficult because they're exact opposite of the way they work, right. you know? So, so I've just stuck Is with the that. the silver back, it. the back tension? Or? Yeah. I mean, they're both okay. back tension, but you're still a thumb, you know, yeah, the you know, thumb, you, even really the thumb, is, you just do, I mean, it's still back tension. You could to, punch it if you want. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. The other one just works in the opposite 
way, which is, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, but yeah, so I've just stuck with that and I love that release. I absolutely, I think I have a mini one now. I don't think it has a mini, I don't have that one, but I have the regular one and, um, yeah, knock on archery. Is it not, is it knock on archery.com? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, people can check it out on there and find out more about Dudley and, and, and uh, his school you know, of knock school of knock. Will. That's yeah. it. But That's he it. does, he does a really good job. Um, one thing I'll say about John Dudley and, and granted, you know, I, we work together in the sense that he attends a bunch of our shoots and um, he's a major sponsor of it. He, uh, that is a man that is dedicated to his craft Oh yeah, and to his people. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. what I mean by that is he'll come to these events and stand out there um, with a smile on his face and shake hands, slap high fives with every single person that wants to shoot with him. And I, I mean, for whatever anyone thinks about him one way or the other, the man is dedicated to the knock on nation. Oh yeah. Knock hashtag knock on nation. Yeah. Shout I mean, out if to you're, Dad. if you, if you want to learn archery, that guy, he knows archery. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll be, he has his knock squatch or whatever on those courses and you know, he'll have kids that normally are shooting 40, 50 yards. And next thing you know, that kid's shooting 110 on the knock squatch. Mm -hmm. And hitting it because Jay Duds, yeah. that's what I call him, Dudley. Jay Duds is there. He's like, okay, no, 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 yeah, yeah. okay. You know what? Arc it a little higher, whatever, and get these kids in. And the celebration they have is phenomenal. Yeah, it's cool. It is so cool. I mean, he, he loves his people. Yeah. And he is a master of his craft. Oh yeah. So, uh, I love so you're right. Tips when he's just like, we're out there together or whatever. And, and he'll just, he just sees it, you know, just yep. like, I mean, having a professional who that is their, that's their passion in life yeah. and it's their job and they're watching you and they give you one little thing and then, Oh wow. It changes yeah. your whole changes your, everything. Yeah. So, uh, I'm still waiting to, uh, be able to have a little personal shooting time okay. so he can coach me, but I'm going to work that into it because yeah. yeah. It, uh, oh, you have to. Come on. Yeah, you absolutely. To. You listening to this, Joan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But anyway, it uh, back to the bow. The bow is a, it's a, uh, an amazing tool to, uh, to use as a meditation and, mm -hmm. if you will, l less stress. Yep. So get down to your local archery shop yeah. and uh, talk to those guys and test out a few and and uh, see what's working for you and what you want to do and where you want to yeah. go. And the bow chooses you, so you got to shoot them go. all. I love that the bow. But chooses you know, you. there is one thing that I think some people are uh, the there is a bow available for all budgets. I think so. Yeah. Like you don't have to go in and buy the most expensive bow to start out. Get in there, get a bow, enjoy it, learn how it works. And then as you graduate into different levels, mm -hmm. then you could move up. But you don't have to commit to, right? you know, this. You don't have to do this craziness right here. Yeah, you don't have to commit to the top end to yeah. start taking advantage of shooting archery. Yeah. There's a lot of good packages out there that are, that fit all sorts of budgets. Yeah. And, uh, and your local pro shop's going to know about that too. And yeah. they're going to help get you dialed because they want the same thing for you we do. Yeah. To go out love to shoot and just get after it. Yeah. I want to, uh, get into some more trad bow stuff. I've been meaning to do it for a few years. I've have a, a guy, he's tracker zero tracker, Joe zero eight on Instagram, but Joe Bork is his name. And he built me that bow 
I over there in the corner there. amazing then he built me this arrow up here from savage sun so he did research into you know what a tribe in siberia would have used and he tried to oh, replicate awesome. all that yeah so the uh uh so at the end that's a deer bone out there um and uh it's it's held on with some sort of a tar that he made um and then he just did all that research and made that arrow so i put it right there up above my uh, little sign and below the Parker shotgun, um, and that. But he's but he, but he made all that, and then he made that bow over there, and uh, amazing. But I'm wanting to get into the trad stuff oh, for a yeah, long time. Oh yeah, you've got to. But uh, yeah, at some point I will. I need a but the stalker stick bow. I've been meaning to just get one for <laughs> the longest time. But going back to uh, the schedule, things are a little busy these days. You're so, so uh, busy, and I and I'm still. Uh, dumbfounded by your ability to do it all but i'm uh, also well now i do have like this podcast i i have ironclad amazing thank you ironclad because i so when i first wanted to do a podcast i wanted to do it because i started getting all these questions on social media yeah and i'm like well social media really isn't the place to have a discussion or to uh, answer some of these questions about let's say more contentious issues um it just doesn't lend itself to right. uh <laughs> well you don't to, get the full context yeah too, and i think that's important yeah so i was like you know what i'll just do a podcast I I can answer some of these questions or have a conversation with somebody and uh it'll be uh just it'll be more constructive yeah and uh so i got that that thing right over there that what is it called the roadie whatever it is yeah uh, so i got that i got a car memory card i got that uh you know a little kind of cheapo camera whatever video camera i got a tripod um and put it on top put the memory card in there and i could press record on this and i could press record on that and i could do this but that's it i when it came to okay now it's time to the next step uh no i yeah uh, uploading to where and how and yeah no idea so gotta it's important to know your limitations as a uh, <laughs> 70s police officer detective on uh, uh in a movie once said um so i knew my limitations and uh yeah so ironclad uh, came in they were doing my book trailer videos yeah um and uh they do such an amazing job with that people always think they're movie um trailers because they do such a great job with them and they're so professional well, so there was one you just released what was that was that yeah, on so the that, yeah so that's uh, for this book right here and yeah. that's ironclad doing that we did a 15 second one on monday just before we walked in here i posted a, a 30 second one and then the full one that's over a minute full trailer drops on friday yeah that does um, look like a movie yeah though. people are always confused in the comments every time uh asking is chris pratt in this yeah. um and it's just a, it's a book trailer video but they do they do such an amazing job with it so yeah they do all this um so there's more of a, a team now that can help with some of those things that awesome. that i was doing at the beginning by myself because when you start a, a business as you as you know you have to do all the parts of it you have to have the Absolutely. product has to be the best it can possibly be whatever that product is whatever the right. widget is but then you have to be the ceo the cfo the cmo the social media manager you have to do all of those the things janitor. And yeah yeah you're, you're the creative you're the you know <laughs> you're all of it you're building it you know you're you're the yeah. engineer um you're all of those things um and so that's kind of how i looked at it uh, i looked at it as hey this is a startup it's like having a computer in your garage in 1977 or something like that <laughs> yeah. you know and uh you have to build it and then you have to let people know that it exists and yep. convince them to try it and then you have to do all the everything else you needed to do so you have to do the same things in as an author that you'd have to do in any business um and the product in this case is the story and that story has to be the best what, that it can possibly be what do you think how long ago was that uh your first book uh 2018 yeah so 2018 to now which is not very long ago what i mean what do you think what did it? What made it happen? I mean, obviously the story's really good, but I think 
I, maybe I'm wrong on this and you can answer. Is it fair to say that some people have written phenomenal books that just never got off the ground? Oh, sure. I think probably some of the best books in the world are still on someone's uh, bedside table. Yeah, um, like they what, wrote it for themselves what? and they just they don't know how to get it out there. They don't. You what know, happened that you, you wrote this story and I mean, it's exploded. Yeah, well, a part of that, uh, and this is the part that I like, is that uh, Chris didn't announce the series until after the book made the New York Times list. So after Savage yeah. Sun hit, and then yep. the first two hit, so then all three were on. But uh, he didn't mention anything. Uh, I've known Joe Rogan for a number of years, and uh, he didn't have me on until after. Um, yep. Tucker Carlson and I have m had mutual friends in common. Now we now we know each other, but uh, people have been trying to put us together for years, and we're both just just too busy. But uh, so I was always kind of like, man, I wish Chris would say that you know th that uh, this book's coming out and he's going to play it someday, maybe, or he optioned it, right? But he didn't, and I was like, hey, I wish Joe would have me on. Uh, it would really help, but he didn't. And I'm like, man, Tucker, I, I wish Tucker would have me on too. That's a big audience. That'd be really cool. Now I'm so glad that those three people did not have me on until after the book made yeah. the New York Times list. Um, one, just because of the, uh, well, yeah, no one can say the only reason is right. X, yeah, Y, yeah, Z. Yeah. Nope. But, uh, but more so than that, it, it, I mean, that's just, that's a part of it. But the other part of it, the larger part of it is that this was grassroots. Just all organic. This was organic. This was somebody taking a risk on me as a new author who just created an Instagram account that has 10 followers, <laughs> you know, all of them, you know, yeah. within like a stone's throw probably of my, of my house. Um, and, uh, and taking a risk on me, reading it, telling a friend, um, and then going to work and saying, Hey, I think you'd like this yeah. or whatever. And then having that grow like that or having a, you know, some, a, a hunter, uh, talk about, Hey, the, telling another hunter and a, in a, yep. in a, in a stand in a tree stand or, or, you know, leaving the book behind for the next person or bringing it to, uh, to hunting camp or whatever it is. And then, so it grew that way from people that had no social media presence that just told someone word of mouth yeah. to someone who has five followers or whatever else. Um, so it grew very organically, which I think made it, uh, much more powerful than yeah. just like, hey, uh, oh, an ad in the New York Times, full page uh, from some no-name person. And then, oh, that's gonna, that might spike for a little bit, but then you're going to drop back down. Mm -hmm. There's not that uh, emotional connection. And then once people did read it, I think really what made it stand out and what's making them stand out or resonate with people anyway is that the feelings and emotions that the protagonist, James Reese, feels are things that uh, I felt downrange. So if, I, if yeah. my character gets ambushed in Los Angeles, California, I don't have to go find someone who has been in an ambush and talk to them and uh, have their answers get filtered through other interviews I've done for research, movies that I've seen, documentaries I've watched, whatever it right. might be, and then go into a fictional narrative. No, I just remember what it was like to be in Baghdad 2006, actually be on the receiving end of an ambush. And then I take those feelings and emotions and apply them directly to this fictional narrative. So it's yeah. from my heart and soul right to the page uh, without any filter. So when someone's reading it and they're like, oh man, this feels real. Real. Um, yeah, why is that? that. It's, uh, it's because it is real. It's coming yeah. from a real place. So I think that stood out to Simon and Schuster who sees thousands of these things every year. And I think stands out to readers as well. So if I was to point to something, I think it's that grassroots effort um, from people who didn't have to take a risk on me, who did. Um, and then it's that feelings and emotions behind what the protagonist is going through on the page. So I think those things came together at the right time. And then after the, the third book hit the New York Times list and then the other two popped on because of it. Then Rogan had me on. Uh, it was really cool. I mean, texted me, you know, like the, the next week and was like, Hey, you want to come on down? I'm, 
Yes. You're like, and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be honest. That's how I felt when I got the email to come on here. Oh, man. I was like, cool. hell yeah, I do. Oh, man. No, thank you. I mean, we were, I think we were still building this last year when you were, when we put up the targets, right? Yeah, we weren't quite done or it was just done. getting there. Yeah. Um, so we're getting close, but it wasn't quite there yet. So, uh, so yeah, now it's done and now you're here and the, the snow is melting and some yeah. of you can see some of the 3D targets out there. So, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to walk around and sling some arrows and do the whole thing and see if anybody got destroyed uh, either by yeah. animals or the snowfall, uh, the snowpack uh, over this last few months. So, um, no, man, I sincerely appreciate all the support. I love what you're doing at Total Archery Challenge. Obviously, um, I've been so excited about it since I first heard about it. And I'm trying to figure out how I first heard about it. And I can't even remember how I, I first heard about it. I wouldn't even know. I yeah, because I didn't have social media. I didn't have anything. You know, we're a, I don't know. We're a big grass. Ours was grassroots for sure. Um, it... Uh, it was everybody sharing with their friends. So it's a similar story as you. Um, if you would have come, you know, back then, I mean, it wouldn't have been through a black rifle connection yeah, no. or anything like that. It, it would have been, you know, somebody who was like, yeah. oh, you should check it might have been Barklow. Might have been Barklow. It could have been. He loved Snowbird. Yeah. So it very well could have been Barklow. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that's possible. Because I'm trying to think how else I would have found out about it. There's maybe, uh, I don't know, a performance archery maybe, I, but I don't. I'm trying to remember. I was, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I would bet Barklow. Yeah, like he's. I feel like that's probably the the quickest connection to that, yeah. especially back then. Yeah, because when you would have been there in what were we saying, sixteen? I think fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, so we were still in our infancy, if you will, mm. um, back then, and uh, and so it would have been. Probably more along those lines. Yeah, I think so. I think we're heading sure. through, heading to Wyoming, touching base with Barklow. I think he was maybe just leaving, um, uh, the, the, the doing the civilian side of the military, being the survival instructor, yeah. cold weather warfare instructor up in Kodiak, coming back down here to lower 48 and getting into the, the gear side of things. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that must have been it because I was touching base yeah. with him and talking to him, finding out what he's doing next and and all that sort of a thing. So I think, uh, I think that's probably what yeah, because he was here. In Utah, and it yeah. makes sense. You're like, oh, we'll come by. I think so. Out. I think so. Well, I'll ask him. I'll ask him. I just saw him last week in Bozeman, and we got to hang out up there. Uh, went up there and did the Mediator podcast up there, and uh, and touch base with Barklow. Spend an I, afternoon with him. And I would love time. to hunt with Barklow. Oh, he's fantastic. I haven't. I don't think we've had a hunter together. We spent time in the backcountry together. Yeah, and obviously at Tack. Um, but uh, but yeah, we haven't gone out hunting together. When yet. we go do that hunt in alaska we'll, cool. we'll do it with barklow that'd be awesome i think this is a plan it'll have to be when you're less busy of course so <laughs> oh, whenever man. that moment is yeah then we'll plan something like that but yeah. it would be awesome but it 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 has been a uh, a super cool journey and i'm sure you've experienced it too it doesn't come without its frustrations and hard times um you know, it's the whole up and down today. Yay. And tomorrow you're like, I hate this thing. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, life in general, you're going to get hit and you're going to, you're going to go down and that's just yeah, part of it. It's so just don't, part don't of be a it. surprise. Yeah. Know? It's just part of it, but it has been a incredible journey and, uh, and I'm super grateful for, uh, it, for all the people that are participating in it, for all of our sponsors that are participating. Yeah. In it, and for the people I get to meet along the way. Oh man. It's awesome. Too cool. And those sponsors are all, I mean, they're, these companies are great 
companies, fun people attached, Absolutely. knowledgeable people attached, just good people all around. It's such a great industry for that. Yes. Um, whether it's PSE or Hoyt or Matthews uh, or Sitka, um, Black there's a Sitka Rifle. course, Black Rifle, Knock On. Uh, who else has their own course? Uh, so Prime. Prime, uh, yeah, the Prime uh, course. Loophold, nice. uh, Ultra View, Hoyt, Knock On. Um, Black Rifle has their own course and Sitka and that's an army F. Mm. So the Rocky mountain elk foundation yeah. course is all elk and we do it at, uh, I think there's four of them. Maybe it's yeah. limited on where we can put it, but yeah, yeah. those are some big animals. They're big. <laughs> They're yeah. big. How we many do we have out here? Uh, you've got a moose and the moose is the biggest out here. Yeah. You've got a moose. Then you've got an standing elk. Do you have mm -hmm. a bedded elk? Do yep. You? Yeah. Bedded elk. Yeah, and then those would be your three bigs, okay. and then you've got the mule deer, which that shot actually is phenomenal. That's the mule deer shot over yeah. here, yeah. That's the mule deer shot is an awesome shot. And then we threw in some smaller ones, like uh, I think you have a coyote or something. Got some small ones, yeah, yeah. We got the mountain lion, got yeah. uh, yeah, multiple bears. Uh, yeah, antelope. Yeah, got an antelope. And the white, the, the eight-point um, <laughs> no-antlered buck. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, no, the non eight point. You can shed hunt out here too with these yeah. things. You Go know. shed hunt. You find those. Let us know. <laughs> I'm bringing that up. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm bringing that up and I'm bringing my bow. Oh, awesome. Let's so do it. After this is all done, we'll figure out when you're going to be Let's around. Let's do it. I'll yeah. bring that up. If not, I know your wife's expecting it. So if you're not Perfect. here, I'll just drop it off to her. Perfect. Perfect. But come on up and we can shoot the course. I'm going to shoot the course with, uh, with you. And, uh, and yeah, well, I want you to see like what survived this winter because yeah. that was a lot of snow everything was, was completely covered so i want i want you to see what survived and just in case uh, and what we didn't. need to do some work on them well maybe well i guess maybe in case we need to work on them but more so just so you don't know yeah. like oh look at that one that i didn't expect yeah, that to that's make what it happens it did. when you have 10 feet of snow yeah exactly so how much <laughs> did you have i mean you were six or seven. Oh, it was it was 10 feet for sure oh my yeah. gosh yeah and, you know i should have measured it but all the <laughs> i'll take one of those uh pvc pipes i need to measure that and that was under the snow. So unreal. That, yeah. Unreal. Yeah. It was, it was good and the missus was out there in the snow blower. She's on it. Uh, I bring her a uh, glass of wine or a uh, old fashioned. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing's got you know, Bluetooth and heat in there. So that's uh, the only time that the kids aren't bugging her. So, it's, uh, <laughs> that's her so I think she spent a little more time than she needed to in that tractor. <laughs> you know, Let them. That's to, fantastic. Just to, yeah, just to get a little peace and quiet. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how it goes. I think know. it's awesome. That's how it so. goes, but let's do it soon. Let's do it soon. And then, uh, everybody like, yeah, total archery challenge, amazing 10 locations. Yeah. So we have 10, 10 locations for this year. Yep. 10 locations. All over the country. All over the country. Yep. So there's yeah, east, so west, oh, northeast, down in the south. Yeah. Oh, my buddy Wes Inskeep got into archery here recently and he's a buddy from the one through buds with and the seal teams. And, uh, man, he goes all in. He's all, he's always tagging you guys and Dudley and he's building bows and building his arrow, you know, making awesome. his arrows and has his course in his backyard in San Diego. So, um, yeah, I've known him now since 1997 and, uh, yeah, he just decided he was going to do archery one day <laughs> and fantastic. just went all in. Dope so man. yeah, he's come up here to the, to the course, uh, the yeah. last two years, uh, in a row and, uh, yeah, it goes, goes all in, but, um, uh, but people can find one pretty near. Yeah. Yeah. I think with our 10 locations, you can find one r relatively close by, uh, to get to a, a lot of these guys are driving, you know, to them. So you got, if you're within eight hours, I would think of most, mm -hmm. there's probably a, a hole in there somewhere, yeah. but we are going to launch some new locations, um, nice. here, not 23, but in the future that yeah. 
will make it even easier to go. Amazing. Amazing. So stay tuned for that. You can follow yeah. you guys on social media, check all that stuff out, go to that local archery shop, get that bow, get yes. prepared, get more than six arrows, get maybe 12, maybe two 12, dozen, yeah, maybe two three dozen. dozen. Uh, or just yeah. bring one. Just if you're that guy. <laughs> Has anybody ever guy. just uh, brought one to a weekend and done it? I've had, I, no one's ever brought one, but I've had a guy who brought just a quiver full. He had a four arrow quiver okay. and he told me he never lost an arrow. He used one the entire time. So wow. it does happen. Now, okay. I didn't ask him if he shot from the cone on every target. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you can ass- move. Yeah. Assuming he did, then right. that, that man can shoot. Right. And oh. there are a lot of shooters out there that are phenomenal shooters mm-hmm. that aren't competitors. They're just really good at shooting. Yeah. And uh, so it's fun. And yeah. then there's other people that aren't as good and they'll get there. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. And then uh, the arrows. So you guys collect a lot of broken arrows at we the do. end of the season. And I remember you were going to do something with some of them last. We're going to make a knife. So, what are you going to make? Yeah, a, like so a handle? I actually, uh, we're working on that nice. currently. Um, I actually just reached out to uh, Tori. Oh, nice! Um, while I've been here, just down the in road, your podcast to oh, nice. say, "Hey, here's." Oh, do you see the knife over there? Do you see the blade yeah, over there? He, yeah. Well, the one that uh, Austin showed me, the one that he made for you, that had like the, the casings yeah. and the bullets and that, mm-hmm. uh, to show me some resin work. And uh, so I reached out to him to say, "Hey, I I have this idea that I want to do. Yeah. Um, but we've got a couple other things we're doing with those arrows to try to um, recycle them, yeah. if you will. Uh, we do have a lot that do get recycled, but I've been trying to find ways we could utilize those as mm-hmm. part of our branding, right? As we move forward, so we have some really good ideas coming out with that, and nice. uh, you'll probably see them either, if not by this fall, certainly by next spring, on a lot of the product that we're uh, collaborating with nice. on other people. So, um, and some of it will involve a broken arrow. Awesome. Yeah. Love it's it, man. Sweet. Love I'm stoked it. about it. Awesome. So, well, man, thank you for all you do. Thanks for starting total Electric challenge and building it into what it is today. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I'm excited wow. to see these new locations. Um, and, uh, hopefully I'll get out on one of those courses soon, but if not, um, you know, that's why we had to import, uh, that's right. Uh, you got your own setup here, but, uh, thanks for having me on. Like um, I, I really enjoy it. Oh man. It's so fun. I always love seeing you. So, um, yeah, I'll see you in a week or two when, uh, we get that deer patched up out there and walk the course with your, with your prime. Perfect. Here we go. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Thank you. Black Rifle Coffee Company. You can help Black Rifle Coffee raise $1 million to benefit veterans through the boot campaign. All you need to do is grab a can of ready to drink coffee online or from your local grocery or convenience store. The boot campaign is one of the most renowned veteran focused nonprofits in the country, working tirelessly to provide life changing aid and benefits to service members and their families. Join forces with Black Rifle in the boot campaign from May through the end of the year, where every can of ready-to-drink coffee you buy will contribute to making this massive donation possible. Black Rifle ready-to-drink coffee is available in several great-tasting flavors on the Black Rifle Coffee website, at your local convenience or grocery store, and no matter where you are, you can fuel your caffeine fix while supporting veterans. Every time you crack open a can of ready-to-drink, you'll be making a huge difference in the lives of veterans and their families. Black Rifle Coffee is committed to serving the veteran community, and with your help, we can all continue to make a difference. Let's raise a can together to keep fueling Americans for a good cause. 
Check out blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose and use code dangerclose20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. Blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose. Drink up. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. Here with Sean DeGray of Total Archery Challenge. Just had an awesome conversation on the podcast. Talked about a lot of different bows, and we're going to cover a couple of those things today. But uh, first off, do you guys do a different, is it every year has its own different uh, t-shirt? Yeah, so this is just a lifestyle tee. This okay. isn't the event tee. Okay. But yes, we do a different event tee. Every yeah, year. there's some cool, but there's some really cool ones out there. Lifestyle. Gotcha. I figured since you like elk. Thank you. Thank that you. That would be the one for you. I like it. Tells me where to shoot also yeah. right there. Yeah. That is awesome. And then uh, hats. What's up? Uh, hats right here. Actually, that's one of our best sellers. We just yeah. did that colored combo, coffee and black. I and, like it. Uh, I My wife's like, people are going to love it. And I was unsure, but that's been a huge hit. Nice. So you like coffee? Yeah, there it is. It reminds so me. It's go. making me. Yeah, exactly. I drink a, a lot of coffee these days. Um, but uh, we're also talking about uh, Warrior Rising. What's Warrior Rising? Yeah, so Warrior Rising is a veteran nonprofit. It's the one we work with. Uh, as you know, we do a fundraiser on Friday nights and on Saturday nights. We'll do a veteran night, and that's with Warrior Rising. And what they are is they, I, the best way for me to explain it is they teach a man to fish instead of give a man a fish, mm-hmm. which is why I like it. So they have a program to, if you had an idea as a veteran to do a business, they have a, be- a program to help vet that business mm-hmm. and help you uh, go through all the different processes to make sure you're successful. Nice. And uh, I, I love what they do. Uh, they have some grants available, but really whether you uh, qualified for that or won the grant, if you will, um, they're there to help anybody through the process of starting a business. Nice. Um, veterans and mm-hmm. uh, just recently now, the spouses of veterans. Yeah. So either way, then they're there to help you become successful if you have a good business idea. Awesome. And awesome. they've done phenomenal, phenomenal work. They're making moves. Yeah. I love it. Warrior Rising. Warrior, Warrior Rising. Rising. Awesome. Awesome. We talked about this on the podcast. So this is uh, Tracker Joe 8 on Instagram, and he made me this amazing Oh, beautiful! Um, yeah, bow. check this out. There you go. Yeah. That thing is. I mean, I need to spend some time actually shooting it, but I'm almost afraid because it's so beautiful. I don't want to mess it up. But it's yeah, so cool that he spent time doing that. He built that all by himself. Sh- yeah, you need to shoot it. Yeah. yeah. He built you the arrows too to go yeah, with it. There, the arrows right here. So built these guys. So I mean, cool looking arrows. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I was commenting earlier yeah. that I thought he painted that on. That looks like it. I, I think it is paint. Yeah, I mean, look at that. I mean, incredible. Yeah, just incredible. Cool. So, yeah, you do need to amazing. shoot this. I know I feel bad that I haven't, but at the same time, it's just so beautiful. So it's been here in the podcast studio. It's uh, yeah, it meant so much to me that he spent Piece the time. Of artwork. It is, yeah, it is. So it's always right here, right behind me on the podcast, and I'll put it over here for right now. And he also built this arrow. Yeah, that one I wanted right to see. here. So look at that. So he did research into what someone could have built in Siberia, um, inspired by the book Savage Sun, my third one. And so that's uh, deer bone right there. He, he made this tar and used that the in there. feathers is what. Yeah, look at that. He told me what kind of feathers those were, and I can't remember right now. But um, how beautiful is that? Like that is, I would love to see how that flies. I'll bet it does amazing. 
Yeah, it's cool. So yeah, it's just I mean, once again, it's a work of art. So it is. Goes, this uh, one you don't shoot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it goes right behind me. It's right behind me here on every podcast in the studio. And uh, yeah, so I don't I want to. That is be so very cool. careful with that one. I'll put that one right here. So I can put it back up there carefully. There we go. Nice. So uh, yeah, Tracker Joe zero eight on Instagram. Thank you so Good much. Job. And uh, yeah, here's the knock to it we were talking about. Right there, so I love this release right there. I have a few of these guys floating around, but uh, yeah, the knock to it right there. Also, the silverback is very popular. John Dudley's knock to it. Yeah, right I just, here, I just got that, and uh, I'll be. I left it out uh, in Vermont. I'm going to test it mm. while we're out there. Nice. Yeah, I love this. I love this thing right here. So that's what I used to shoot, and then right here, uh, the Kafari. What do they call this the quiver? Hip quiver. So the hip quiver, just yeah. that's, I don't uh, know what the official yeah, name is, but that's but what it is. Yeah, so really cool. Um, and here you've got the loophole uh, range finder right there. So that's nice little pocket for that right yes. here. Pocket for some some water. Get your your arrows, arrows in here, in there. and it's just uh, they just did a good job. I've used that a lot. Yeah, uh, in the last year and a half, and it it's that thing is. Yeah, super convenient, super convenient. So love this thing from Kafaru, Aaron Schneider out there, and then got the Montana Knife Company blade on there as well. This little guy, Montana Knife Company, of course, crushing it. So that is that. Yeah, check that one out. That's the. They have. I don't know how many they have now. It seems like I can't keep track. Yeah, you can't keep track, but that's okay because they're all awesome. Yeah, and everybody needs more than one knife. Oh yeah, you can't have too many. Knives are like bows, because who's who owns all these bows? <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a yeah. fan. Um, the but there's the blade, and then yeah, a little Sitka action here. Got the the uh, Swarovski binos on here with the rangefinder. I like having the rangefinder attached to the binos. Ten by forty twos right here. These have been around quite a bit. Actually, my wife got these for me for my retirement from the military. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So that's bino harness. Everybody. Very needs, cool. So. Got to have a couple different bino harnesses so you find the one you like. I like the Sitka one. With these, you can tell it's been used quite a bit. It's it's holding up just fine. And uh, but yeah, we have a. It's kind of like holsters, you know, for for pistols. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go through a bunch until you find you the, the right combo. You find the one that sits exactly, straight. exactly. And then yeah, this bow. This is the bear that I got as a uh, gift to myself after graduating from buds. When so I got that in '97. So 1997, the code, yeah, and it's got a little, yeah, I got a little compass in there just in case, (laughs) uh, in case you get lost. So that's, that's awesome. Pristine Um, condition. Yeah. That thing has been, uh, yeah, we got pretty busy in the SEAL teams. Didn't have the, uh, the, the the free time that I was not expecting, but, uh, it's awesome. You still have it. Yeah. I still have that. I'm missing the one from high school. Unfortunately, but I do have the one from, uh, gosh, it must be from fourth grade, something like that. So I still have, so still have that one. And then a little uh, PSE, which is what you're shooting. You're not shooting this exact model right here, but this is the uh, NTN 33. Old Dud built this. John Dudley built this one for me right here with a little Sitka pattern on there. And uh, so, yeah, you're shooting. Which one are you I'm shooting? I'm shooting the Mach 34. It's the new carbon for this year. Um, and it uh, it's 34 uh, inches axle to axle, but it is a lightweight, smooth shoot. Yeah, bow. nice. Nice. So they're they're crushing over there, and then before we forget, the Barney Sports Chalet. This pack, which has also not been used yet, but I always wanted one. I've wanted one for the longest time. Yes. And uh, and then I finally got one. And, Barney's uh, is the yeah. expert on on gear and look at, that. I mean, look at this. They yeah. really are. Look at that frame. I mean, yeah. that's that's well, that's because it's made to pack right out there. moose too. Yeah. Real heavy, 
Ten foot brown bear with skull and paws in is gonna be heavy or a moose quarter, so they're made to do it. Yeah, so yeah, you, can, you can get online, you can call those guys and all that stuff, but finding them at one of the shows. Yeah, know. and this pack's been around for a long time. Yeah, and I mean it's tried and true. Yeah, that's why Barney's does a great school. job. That's really what I like. Do. It's old school. It's a destination. If anybody's passing through Anchorage, go uh, stop in, see those guys, say hi. I got one of their puffy jackets too. Oh, uh, you did? Yeah, it's awesome. That thing I is legit. I have not seen that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it's like a sleeping bag, but it's, they, uh, it's uh, awesome. I, I'll tell you this: if you're a sportsman, then you do need to. It is a destination yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, no doubt yeah. about it. Go say hi, stop in, say hello, buy a buy a bunch of new stuff, and uh, it's just cool that they exist. There's a place like that. Yes. To, to kind of go a little little mecca, and then uh, I got Hoyt right here. So this one has the Origin Raptor camo on it right here. Um, yeah, Colby Skinner down there at Hoyt. Uh, love what they're doing down there, just down the road. And then Matthews over here. I and mean, then all these bows and all these companies are big fans of Total Archery Challenge. And um, yeah, yeah, all involved, and uh, they all make incredible work. Yeah. There isn't a bow I've shot that I've been like, oh, this is my bow. Um, from each brand, I've liked it, but I will. You and I talked about this earlier. The bow chooses you, so shoot them all yep. and see which one fits the best. Yeah, but say get down to that uh, local archery shop and then uh, let the bow choose you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yeah. man. Thank you so much. And everybody else, definitely go and check out Total Archery Challenge. Check them out online. Find out where they're going to be this year and go stop by, say hello, sling some arrows, and have That's a great right. time. Maybe I'll see you out there on a course. I hope so. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning into the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about Sean DeGray, go to TotalArcheryChallenge.com and follow along on Instagram at TotalArcheryChallenge. Follow me on the social channels at JackCarUSA, OfficialJackCar.com. That is the website. Click in the upper right-hand corner on Shop for the Merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay safe. Be strong. Keep fighting.